got a video coming out tomorrow that's long, but that's because I'm predicting the entirety of the Xbox E3 conference. Not just like five things or ten things, Jez. I try, as I always do every single year, to predict everything that's going to be shown off. That's ambitious, buddy. I mean, and it requires time, you know? You need time to basically say, uh, you know, not only the first-party stuff, but the third-party stuff and everything else in between. So um just want to thank everybody uh, for rocking out with us. I see we've got Spartan God, Zalker, DJ, uh, Jamie Dixon. I saw So Shady, Indie Gamer, King Joefish. Um, a lot of people in chat. Uh, appreciate everybody hanging out. Um, so, yeah, um, topics for tonight. The big one we're going to get into eventually. Oh, and there's Kid Smooth, who disagreed with, disagreed with me on Twitter about uh, Gears 5, which, you know, me, me, I love Kid Smooth. You know, he's, he's a really good friend. So, uh, yeah, he just tweeted me. He's like, I disagree, Rand. And that's great. You know, he was, you know, respectful. I disagree. And these are the reasons why. Because sometimes I'll get tweets like, you're garbage, Rand. And you're always wrong, which is not true. Sometimes I'm wrong, but not all the time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but we're going to talk about what Xbox needs to absolutely do this year to win over the fans or win the fans' trust back for those that lost it, maybe convert, you know, new fans, considering that they're the only game in town. Nobody else is showing up to E3. EA took their ball and was like, we're not coming. Sony, the world yeah, is getting weird. Yeah, yeah, but it's, the, yeah, mm, mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of, but it's scaled back. Sony, you know, the big company that they are, they're like, see us next year. We're taking a year off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Ubisoft, they have a show. Square Enix's show will probably be uh, terrible. So basically, it just comes down to Microsoft and Xbox. And uh, we'll talk about what they absolutely need to do. Um, you know, we'll talk about the Gears 5 release leak, if Jez and I think that is true. Talk about the scale-bound, uh, what would you call it, scale-bound reminiscence of a developer who worked on it. Uh, basically saying that, hey, it's not all Microsoft's problem with blue people away. Because people, for the longest time, were like, Microsoft's to blame on this one, Jez. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk about that. Uh, talk about uh, the new Splinter Cell tease on Twitter yesterday, which <sighs> got me so excited, but then broke my heart. <laughs> broke. That was, that my was heart. hilarious. That was hilarious because I was sitting there thinking, man, I can just imagine Rand's face twisting in joy and then I don't know, no, like like exploding with joy and then twisting in horror. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally was sitting there, saw the tweet come across my timeline, and I was like, could it be? Could it be? Like, isn't this this easy? Hey, I'm working on the next Splinter Cell. I'm like, what? No way. And then, he's like, the more you learn about it, the sadder it becomes. And I'm actually kind of pissed off about it. But we'll talk about that. All right. We'll talk a little bit about that. Because first thing is always first. The video games, the most important thing. Um what we've been playing, uh, what we think about stuff. And just a PSA, if you're ever wondering what I'm playing, you can just easily load up Xbox or PlayStation 4, take a look at my profile, Randall419 on Xbox. 
Rand underscore Al underscore Thor 19 on PlayStation because they don't allow spaces for whatever reason. And you can just either, you know, follow me or send me a friend request or whatever. And my game played completely open to the public. Everybody, you can see what games I play. You can see the achievements I've gotten, all the stuff. I don't hide from anybody. It's out there for people to see. So currently, I'm playing Rage 2, uh, Plague's Tale on Xbox One, and on PlayStation 4, I finished Days Gone, which I'll have an in-depth kind of video about tomorrow, hopefully, because I had to buy a new USB stick, because the PlayStation 4 destroyed my uh, my other USB stick. It, it's, like, corrupted. How does, how does that happen? I don't know. It, it, like, I, 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 had, I had it in the PlayStation 4. I was copying all the Days Gone footage to the stick. And then I put it in the PC, and the PC wouldn't read it. It's the second time the PlayStation has basically destroyed one of my How USB sticks. Can you format it on Windows or something? No, the, the computer, it's like you put it into the PC, and the USB stick doesn't show up. It's just, it's it's corrupted completely. I put it in the Xbox, the Xbox won't even read it. It's the second time that happened. So It's so strange. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. But you can, you can see... Uh, you know, I play 100% on Xbox. I own a great PC, but I don't play stuff there. But I'm just saying, you can take a look at what I'm playing. Follow along. I don't hide anything. It's out in the open. Um, do you get invites from random strangers all the time, though? Because I do. If I if I turn my profile off private, I think it's turned off right now, because I was playing with some people that I didn't have friended, but... Every time I turn it off, I just get invites from random people. Play Minecraft with me. Play Fortnite with me. Happens um, all the time. Just like random people with like maybe like fifty gamer score, like spam accounts or something. Sometimes, know. sometimes I do, but I'm sometimes I'll just turn off my notifications. Uh, go do not disturb, so you don't get game invites and you don't get messages. Um, I didn't know you could do that. And the preview on the alpha build right now, yeah, like. Like, we were playing Sea Thieves, and you have your privacy. If, if you're playing Sea Thieves, like, when we were playing Sea Thieves, me, you, Dealer, and Zalker, you could do the one in your profile, put on Do Not Disturb, and the only notification you'll get is an achievement. Like, if you get an, uh, an invite or if you get a message, they won't pop up. You'll still get them. Like, they'll still be in your notification center or your messages or whatever. It just won't give you the toast, as they're called on Xbox. Um, but if you're an alpha, I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, they have the message request thing, which is from anybody who sends you a message that you're not on your friend list, goes into a message request, and you can turn notifications off on that. Well, there you go. I learned something today, and I'm going to write a guide about it for that sweet Google juice. Yeah, that sweet Google Google uh, search things. But, yeah, I, I, I have that, so I have notifications turned off in the message request. So anybody that, you know, it's great. Um, so hopefully they take the step next step and then do the same with invites from people not on your friends list. So that would be uh, probably the next logical leap they could do. Um, but yeah, so let's get into let's get into what we've been playing this week. Um, we'll try to keep it as short as possible. I know a lot of people are wondering about Rage 2 and if it's worth it. So what do you think, Rage 2? I know you put a lot of time into it. I've only played for maybe two or three hours. What, what are you thinking about Rage 2? I'm loving it. It's a flawed, it's a flawed game, man. It's like, there's, there's things about it that I just like, it's obvious that, you know, Avalanche had done it. Cause it was like things that bugged me about Mad Max or 
just cause and stuff like that. And um, it does. It honestly does feel like it was made by two different teams, and it was. It's like you got id software making the shooting, and you can tell because it's glorious. And then you've got Avalanche using their, I believe it's called the Apex engine yeah. for the open world aspects. And uh, you can really, you can really tell that they did that because it, the vehicle handling and all that sort of stuff feels familiar to. Avalanche. But, I mean, first of all, I'll talk about the things that I don't like, the things that really bug me about the game, first of all. And it's not much. It's not much stuff. First of all, it bugs me that the maximum resolution that I could get out of it on the X is 1080p. Ooh, it does not look like a good game at all. Like, it definitely, on my OLED, yeah, you can, ugh, it's, it's not a looker. Not a looker whatsoever. It's, it's ugly, man. And, like, some of the lighting effects are terrible. Like, I was I was playing earlier, and, like, there was, like, a sunrise or something, and it was, like, washed in a, like, neon purple hue, and it was blinding. It was awful. You know, it was just, like, I couldn't see anything. Like, there's so much bloom. And then you've got stuff like other areas where it's so dark, you can't see anything at all. And there's no torch in the game. And there's no brightness slider that I could find. I mean, maybe there is one, but I haven't been able to find one yet. So, it's not a good-looking game. Um, I'm disappointed. They could have. I feel like they could have done. They could have gotten more out of it, especially on the X. That said, it's a smooth butter. We're in at 60 frames a second, which really helps with the fast-paced shooting mechanics. Um, it has very sort of more aggressive progression mechanics than Doom and stuff like that. So, like, you can go to areas where you simply feel too weak to progress without getting upgrades. And, like, you can get, like, significant upgrades to weapon damage by doing side quests and unlocking uh, arcs and getting, you know, tokens to upgrade pretty much everything. Your vehicles, your weapons, your abilities... You know, your health and, you know, your defenses and pretty much everything can be upgraded. Um, which adds a lot of depth to the open world stuff because it, it feels like everything you do, you're constantly progressing. Yeah, it, everything you do is meaningful, right? Yes. Like, like when you tackle which, all the different outposts because all your superpowers can be upgraded, right? The yes. weapons are upgraded with the same thing you upgrade the powers with, but then each Power level also has, like, a perk associated with it that you can buy with a different type of uh, thing you find. So it's really in your best interest to constantly do as much as you can to get the money and the Feltrite, which upgrades your power so you can be a killing beast, right? Yeah, and that's that's one thing that Mad Max, which I actually quite enjoyed and think is pretty underrated. That's one thing Mad Max didn't do very well was the whole progression systems. And um, But that said, weirdly... I feel like Mad Max by Avalanche had far better vehicle combat than Rage 2. Um, like, there's no, there's no, like, shunting in, in, uh, Rage 2, where you can sort of quickly turn into another car and knock them off and stuff like that. It feels like a step backwards from Mad Max, and I was, because Rage 2 is so clearly inspired by Mad Max, I was expecting it to handle Similarly to Avalanche's Mad Max, which is the whole point of them working with Avalanche on this game. And uh, the vehicle combat is just 
kind of lame, you know, compared to Mad Max. So that's a bit of a disappointment. But that's pretty much it for disappointments. Everything else has been a pure joy. The gunplay is incredible. It's outstanding. Like, oh my it's, god, it's yeah. outstanding. It's it's up there with Doom. Like the shotgun is so so much impact on it because like the second shotgun mode is like it sends like a a forceful push instead of a shell. So like you can you can knock enemies into walls and they they splatter and all their limbs fly off. Especially when you've got all the upgrades to it. It's just it's just delicious, man. <laughs> There's no other way of putting it. It's just hilarious. Like the the amount of violence you can extract out of this game is stunning. Um and I I've still only got the basic weapons. I've been playing for like I've got at least ten hours in the game now, I think. Maybe more. And but I've been doing so many side missions and not really progressing through the story much. But I'm still using, rocking the basic weapons, still. And um, I just haven't really gotten bored of using the shotgun at all. And there's yeah. this whole overdrive system, which makes your shotgun do like a bajillion times more damage and force. And it just feels great, man. Like, it, it feels like they've done the whole Doom thing real justice. And it just actually, in a way, makes me more hyped for Doom Eternal, which we'll probably hear more about in E3. But, yeah, um, I I kind of feel I, I I have a lot of the same complaints as you, but and I, I was in a party last night with everybody playing Rage Two, and everybody focused on my comments about it not looking very good, right? But with that said, it doesn't like I don't I don't to me the game doesn't look good, right? But that's okay because I get it in sixty frames per second, and I've always said I'll take a game in sixty frames over a game in four K, and if you presented me with Rage 2 and 4K30 or Rage 2 and 1080p60, I'd be playing it in 1080p60 regardless. Because oh yeah, I agree. I agree. I'd like yeah. for for a game like that's super fast paced like this, I'd much rather have it 60 1080. Yeah. 60, and this, this is a game that is that is basically gameplay first. That's what it's about. Crazy over the top first person shooting action with some crazy abilities, dashes, Slams in the air, double jumps, uh, overdrives where, like, you just splatter enemies to bits. Like, it's all about gameplay. Because the open world, there's really not much going on. It's barren. There's a lot of points to go to where you do the same thing. You know, kill the enemies and then find storage containers, which gives you money and uh, perks and things like that. Like, the story is not important. It's basically just kind of cripping off the Far Cry formula. Uh... But man, the gameplay is so damn good. So I'm a couple hours in, and like, um, even the story, like it's the story is kind of like the gameplay. It's pure ridiculous spectacle. Like some of the stuff that happens is like you're just there to watch it and go along for the ride. It's not supposed to be like, oh, this is um, Citizen Kane level storytelling right now. It's just pure mayhem. Like the story is too, and it's like a a B-movie sort of presentation, and I really like it. Uh, it's, I mean, no, I, I, no I'm, I'm quite enjoying... Anymore. I'm quite enjoying it, too. I, I, I mean, the thing is, like, is it worth 60 bucks? And it's like, well, I, I haven't finished the game, so it's hard to tell, but, like, did you like Doom? If you like Doom, probably like Rage 2. Do you like first-person shooters and crazy over-the-top action? If yes, you probably like Rage 2, you know? Like, if you like 
you know, a, a great cinematic storytelling game, probably not for you then, you know what I mean? Like, this game knows what it is. It's an over-the-top first-person shooter, and if that sounds like something you're interested in, even if it's, I hear the campaign's only like 10 hours long, or, you know, maybe 30 or 40 if you literally clear the map, if that sounds like something you might enjoy, then pick it up. Otherwise, wait for a sale. I see DJ Singh in the chat says, do you think it'll be in Game Pass in the next five months? Maybe. I mean, that, that, you know, that's a common theme I see lately. Even in my review I did for A Plague Tale, people were like, I want to buy this game, but Game Pass. I think it'll be in Game Pass. I think it'll be in Game Pass in two months. I think it'll be in Game Pass in five months, right? It's just, it's crazy, like, how Game Pass has kind of changed a lot of people's perspectives, uh, where it used to be, at least on the PC, well, I'll just wait for a Steam sale on this game. I'll wait for a Steam sale. Now, games come out at such a steady cadence every single week, people are just like, I'll wait for Game Pass. Which, you know, you can't really... It's like Steam, you know. It's a lot of PC gamers are just like, I'll wait for a Steam sale. I'll wait for a Steam sale, you know. It's, um, it's good that there's a lot of choice and stuff like that. And uh, that consumers can choose to wait for that to happen. But at the same time, it's kind of like... If you've got nothing to play right now and you've just fancy something new and you like Doom, and if you felt like Doom was worth $60, it's not as good as Doom. You know, it's not as focused and, you know, refined as Doom, I would say. Like, there are some, there are a lot of little things that annoy me about it. Like, I re- I've, I've railed on this on Twitter. The, the mission pop-ups that happen at the end of every little mission you do, or every outpost, that frees the whole game up, where it's like, oh, you've got some XP, you've got some money, and it freezes the game for a few seconds. So annoying. Like, it's so unnecessary. Like, there's just little little things that annoy me, like that. And not having a torch, and being in a really dark area where you can't see anything. Little yeah. things like that are annoying. But, but, it's like, I'm loving it, and it's it's a good, it's a good game to tide me over while I wait for Doom Eternal, because Doom, Eton- Doom Eternal is the main course. I'm kind of playing this like if this is the, the appetizer to Doom Eternal. In a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, hopefully Doom Eternal this year. I would really, I would really love for it oh, to be so. be this year. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't wait to dive more into Rage Two uh, and get farther in the game. I only have the pistol, the assault rifle, and the combat shotgun as my weapons, and I'm missing like five other ones uh, that you get at the arc strewn across the map. And the only powers I have are, like, double jump, dash, uh, shatter, uh, you know, and defibrillate. Oh, I can't even say that word, so I'm not even going to bother. You bring, you bring yourself back to back in that, right? Yeah, defibrillator. So, yeah, I got those. There's other ones that you can get to, but you gotta got to find them. So can't wait to delve more into that. Now, um, A Plague's Tale. Uh, I wanted to talk about it. I love that game. I put out a review. It kind of came out of nowhere. A lot of great reviews for that title. It's like a stealth action puzzler game where you are, the Inquisition's after you because your brother has some sort of sickness inside of him, so you need to kind of avoid them. And at the same time, there's these disgusting rats that show up and, like, just kind of, you know, kill people that you need to, like, puzzle out because they're afraid of the light. So you need to use torches and any sort of uh, light source to kind of get through them. But it's a it's made by Asbo Studio, published by Focus Home. It's really, really good. 
Um, I talked about it, obviously, in my review, but I was so surprised by the quality of this title. Uh, it, it, it rem- people kind of say, like, it's this year's Hellblade, like kind of a smaller indie team making something that, uh, you know, really surprises people with, like, uh, the presentation, the cinematics, the storytelling, the characters. Um, and I kind of agree with that. Like, Hellblade was very similar to me, like, small team really high on, like, the you know, the graphics and the gameplay and the budget and everything that went in that game. And Plague Tale feels like more of a game than Hellblade was. There's more of actual differing gameplay styles in a Plague Tale. Like, Hellblade was one part walking sim where you would go, you know, to the next battle, and then in between the battles and walking, you would have puzzles that you would solve. This one has a lot more actual uh, gameplay elements into it. And I loved it. I can't recommend it enough. It's on sale for 50 bucks. Uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. I, I, I say get it. But that's just me. I, I adored the game. I know, I know your review at Windows Central really liked it. Yeah, um, like, uh, Brent, Brendan played it for us. It's funny, you know, because I kept doing press releases for Plague Tale Innocence. And I was just like, is this just a walking simulator, you know, and, Covering walking simulators doesn't generate a lot of revenue, so it's sad to say. So I generally just ignore them. And I was just like, I didn't know what the game was. And then, like, a couple of weeks ago, they released, a, they actually released a full gameplay, uncut gameplay demo. And I was like, oh, that's what the game is. Yeah, not a lot of people know what it is. Like you said, you, you, you mentioned that to a lot of people, and they're like, I've never heard of this game. And, the, and they think it's a walking sim, and it's really not. You know, it, it has, like, yeah, you, you distract guards with, you know, uh, rocks to get past them. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't like stealth. And I'm like, okay, the stealth stuff is really in the beginning because you play as this girl, Amicia, and she's not a warrior. She's only equipped with a sling that can she can throw rocks at. But, like, as you go, you you learn alchemy. You get, like, different things you can craft where, like, now you can actually cause an enemy to uh, take off his helmet. And because you you do you you craft something that burns the metal, so he takes his helmet off, and then you can use a rock to kill him. And then with the rats, like yeah, in the beginning it's kind of like a puzzle. Okay, I need to move them here with the light, but then like you can eventually create light sources, and then it becomes a little bit more actiony. So it constantly evolves. It has this good pacing where like you're never doing the same thing too long. Like okay. Here's a stealth section. Oh, but here's an action section. Okay, now we're back to the rats and the disgusting aspect of that and uh, the puzzle stuff. Okay, but now we're back to this. Now we're back to that. Like, it is really good. So, uh, hopefully I'm buy it eventually. You better. It's in the backlog, maybe. Yeah. It's in the backlog. It's in the backlog. And I finished Days Gone. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Is Days Gone gone? From the <sighs> days, there's... <laughs> How do you feel about it? What's your final verdict then if you finished it? Well, I mean, I'm you were, First you were like, I don't know about this game. And then you were like, oh, actually, it gets really good 12 hours in. Yeah, okay. So the first 12 hours of the game are awful. And there's, I'm not mincing words here. It's awful. I, I honestly wanted to stop playing the game. Uh, I thought, like, the beginning was just that bad. I, I can't think for the life of me a game that started as bad as Days Gone. 
And my buddy, who I trust a lot, who had finished the game early, was like, stick with it, it gets better. So I was like, all right, I, I just spent $60 on this game. I don't want to just stop playing it. But my God, the first 12 hours were bad. The world's bad, Deacon's a bad character, the combat's bad, the motorcycle's bad, the story's bad. Like, everything, It like, the way the story's structured in the beginning is just bad. It's a bad game for the first 12 hours. Then it gets better. Then the story kind of comes into its own. Even though it's entirely predictable, I knew exactly every single plot point they were going to hit. And it becomes more enjoyable the more you upgrade your character and your bike so the combat actually becomes serviceable and the bike becomes faster and doesn't degrade with, you know, its its gas as much. The freakers become a little bit better to fight. Better characters are introduced. But, man, it's got tech issues out of the ass. Long loading times. Loading times in between gameplay and cutscene back to gameplay. And you would think that's not big of a deal, but it is, considering this game has thousands of cutscenes, so it's always going to loading. Oh, man. And then, like, because it's a Sony first-party title, you're comparing it to other recent first-party titles. You're like, man. That's a, that's a you problem. No, 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 no. Because it's it's positioned as the next big Sony first-party title. It's, I mean, it... it I mean, it's, it wants to be Last of Us. It wants to be God of War. Maybe not so much Spider-Man, but, like, you can't help but thinking, hey, this is another AAA cinematic single-player exclusive from Sony, who is the king of these things. And, yeah, it's nowhere on the level of any of the other Sony games whatsoever. And the more I played, I was like, okay, the review... I think the game is better than the 70 it is on Metacritic, but that, not that much better. And I'll go more in detail into why I think so uh, tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, I, it, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Because eventually I ended up liking Deacon. Eventually the story got got good, but still not great. So it's just... It almost seems like, you know what, maybe you should have held off on this game until the PlayStation 5 when you could have fixed all the tech issues, which really impacted my enjoyment of the game. Maybe you needed more time in the oven to actually get the pacing right and get the story correctly done, because the beginning is so god-awful. Like, I gave Crackdown 3 a 6.5, right? I don't think Crackdown 3 is a good game. I think it's a very average game. I think it's very boring. And I literally was thinking, I and I know people are going to, Whatever, people can say what they want, but for the first 12 hours of Days Gone, I thought Crackdown 3 was better. Slightly well, better, but better. Serial? Seriously, yeah. I'm I'm confused how that can be a thing. <laughs> Random guy says the first 12 hours are just all right. What happened for you to think it's terrible? I literally just explained it. The combat, the motorcycle, the character, the story... The world, nothing is good in the first 12 hours of the game. It's, it's, every, like, it's just bad. So. I'm so intrigued. So I love, I love zombie games, man. I don't care about the, I usually just, just love zombie games. And I didn't really have a lot of, lot of, uh, uh, bugs or whatever. But in the end, I liked it better than, I liked it better than Crackdown 3. I think it's I think it's a, a good game. I think it's entirely too long of a game. I put fifty hours into it. Um, hmm. 
And I am glad I finished it because I do think Ben Studio has something here. Like, there is a template to build for a sequel because they definitely do set up a sequel. They definitely do do that. And if they can learn from what people liked and what they didn't like about Days Gone, Days Gone 2 is going to be a much better game if Sony gives them the opportunity. So... And because know, it's Sony, you know, they probably will give them the opportunity. They probably will, because it looks like it's selling, it looks like it's going to sell a lot. So, I know it's weird, because I see some people disagreeing with this. It's like, I've only ever given my true opinion on games. I don't damage control nothing. Like, I've said for I don't know how long that the Xbox games we've gotten the last couple of years are all pretty bad. Right? And I've talked about how great Sony's games are, from God of War to Spider-Man to the Uncharted stuff. And yet here I am, not too high, uh, high on Days Gone, and people are, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Ant Money wants to know to get the near ending. Yes, I actually got the near ending, and because I did literally everything as I beat the game, I did all the side missions, I actually had to clear out almost all of the rest of the hordes to get the extra four endings. Digital Sword says Sony's, you know, Spider-Man's not a Sony first-party game. I understand it's not a Sony first-party game, but they look at it as a Sony first-party game. Just like Microsoft looks at something like Crackdown as a first-party game, even though it's not made by a first-party team, or uh, something like Ori, which is not made uh, by a first-party developer, they still look at it as uh, their first-party stuff, regardless of whatever we look at it as. So, yeah. Um, J.B. Dixon with the Super Chat appreciated. He says, I felt the disturbance of the force that one million ponies just got butthurt. That's pretty funny. And uh, Daniel J. <laughs> And Super Chat says, Days Gone felt like a premature baby. It, it, it honestly did feel like it probably needs, uh, like another year. Another year to kind of just refine the tech and the story and what they're doing because it's no, important. I was wondering this today, actually, because I was thinking, like, with the, the Rage 2 pop-ups things at the end of, at the end of missions, why did they never catch that in testing? Like, it was like, did they really think it was necessary to have a big pop-up that froze the game? Why did they Why did they not catch these things in testing? Like, and it makes me wonder, like, some of the things that could have been rectified in, like, a game like Days Gone, say, for example, something easy, like, why do they never get caught in testing? Or they're just like, yeah, we caught it, but we couldn't do anything about it. I don't know. I don't know. Um... But like I said, I, I think Days Gone 2 would be, is going to be a much better game. And I understand Sony Ben hasn't actually made a console game in forever. This is like their first one in a long time. So it's like, do you cut them some slack? Because they aren't Naughty Dog, and they aren't Insomniac, and they aren't 343, and they aren't, you know, a lot of these. This is like one of their first games. So it's like, do you cut them some slack? And it's like, mm, maybe. I know some people will, like... But, man, like, that, the beginning's rough. And it's hard to ask people to continue with the game after they put 10 hours into it and they don't like it. It's like, you know, you're always competing for people's time with different things. There's always something that someone else can go play or watch. Um, but, yeah, so full thoughts will be up uh, tomorrow about the game. I have a lot to say about it. Um but, uh, you know, you know, Rage, you didn't mention about Rage, though, uh, it's X-enhanced, even though it's 1080p, it runs the 60 frames on the X and only 30 on the S. Oof. Did you know that, Jez? I didn't know that. Yeah. Only 30 frames on the S. I, 
sometimes feel sorry for people still on the Xbox One S. Because, you know, I have the X and the Pro, so I have the both, I have both, you know, the best versions of the consoles, and sometimes I forget that the vast majority of people, you know, playing these games are on the regular console. So I talk about how buttery smooth Rage 2 is, where I don't really see a frame drop at 60 frames, and then it's like, yeah, like, I say that, but then, oh, yeah, most people playing on Xbox are probably playing it in 30 frames. Um, I like, do you, do you feel that, like, the OG Xbox has been, like, pretty much abandoned now? <laughs> kind of? I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it definitely is a little bit in the marketing for some of their stuff. But then I look at the recently released Xbox Sat Edition, uh, which came out. Did you, did you, did you get a, a Sat Edition yet? I didn't. Um, I, we are supposed to be looking at reviewing it, but we've done no traffic on that. You know, I know when people are interested in something because we get loads of traffic spike, which is weird actually because one of our biggest articles this month was our Sea of Thieves fishing guide. <laughs> so, a lot of interest in that, but not much traffic done on Xbox One S or this edition. And this is this is Google traffic. This isn't like people who come to our site day, day, day by day. This is people who just hammer something into Google. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you've seen it. Like, So, it's available on Amazon and Walmart and Best Buy. And I just happened to look at it on Best Buy and Amazon today, and, like, I think it's, like, a one-star rating out of five on Best Buy and, like, a one-and-a-half-star rating on Amazon. Um, as for, like, Xbox consoles, it's, like, the 14-best-selling Xbox console on Amazon behind, like, a bunch of, you know, obviously Xbox regular S editions and even the X, which is, I believe, on sale for 375 now. And... You know, it's like, you heard like, oh, we want to keep it the $50 difference between the two, but then you realize that retailers really don't have any, like, what's the incentive for the retailer, like Amazon and Walmart and Best Buy, to even sell this thing? Because they sell the all digital, like, the person buying it, they, they're not buying games from Best Buy, Amazon, or Walmart, because it's all digital stuff. So they do they even have an incentive to drop price on this stuff? You know, like they don't. Or, so like, did Microsoft really just send a lame duck? Like, I know we talked about this before, but this thing needs to be one hundred and fifty dollars for the holidays. Like, absolutely needs to be. Otherwise, what is the point of this pointless system with the dumbest name you can possibly come up with? Shout out to all my uh, my buddies at Xbox Marketing. Xbox One said, should have went to the back to the drawing board on that one, guys. Um, I had no idea how I managed to call it the sad. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. um, but it need so I wonder if the retailers will even do price drops on it. If like if they maybe they're gonna have to because maybe they won't even sell out of any of their initial shipments from it. So it's like. Yeah, wait till the holiday. What if it does not on sale? What if, what if this was just the ultimate lame test duck scenario that Microsoft sent out there? No, like, well, for those of you who are probably happy about the uh, disk drives in the next console, maybe you'll get your wish because Microsoft just shot themselves in the foot with this test. I don't know. Um, but yeah, don't don't buy the Xbox One Stat Edition. You can get the S with the disk drive 
and more games for cheaper pretty much everywhere. I, I, I'm still confused why Microsoft thought this was a good idea at that price point. I, I think the problem is that the reality of the value of a disk drive is different to how people value it. You know, I mean, I think it, it, it doesn't even cost $50 for them to add... Um, it doesn't even cost $50 for them to add a disk drive in. But, like, so they're probably losing money there. But for $50, you might as well just buy one, buy one with a disk drive because you get so much more out of it. And I suppose, like, beyond that as well, there's just the, there's just the sense that you're losing something. Yeah. But, uh, Scalebound, Jazz, you ready to talk about Scalebound? So this, this came out last week. I thought this was pretty interesting because you've been talking you've been you, you you talked about this when the game originally kind of got uh canceled you, like microsoft gave you the exclusive i remember vividly because i had told you a week before that i thought it was going to be canceled and you told me you assured me that there's no way in hell scalebound was going to be canceled and i'm you always going to bring you that, love that up story. you love that story i'm because i was right i was right um and you said, like, it wasn't all Microsoft's fault, but that maybe eventually down the road things will come out about the title. And sure enough, we have one of the, you know, key developers from Platinum Games come out and saying that it wasn't just Microsoft's fault, that Platinum Games was just as equally responsible. Uh, and they didn't like, they, he didn't like seeing the hate that Microsoft got, uh, for, uh, canceling the title, that there's things they could have done differently and things Microsoft could have, you know, done differently. So what do you think about all that, Jazz, that this, this info is coming out, what, three years later, two years later, or whatever? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of weird, actually, that it happened now. I mean, we're never gonna get the full nitty gritty about what actually went down there, which is why I was reluctant to write anything on it. Like, I didn't, I didn't write an article saying this is all this is all Platinum's fault because I like to get both sides of any story, you know. And when you, sometimes when you're talking to people, you just don't get the full you don't get the full story because you get their side of the story and stuff like that. And I didn't have anyone that I could possibly have spoken to at Platinum about it, especially since um, uh, Hideki Kami had blocked Twitter. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but he did. Um, so I didn't I didn't publish anything on it, but I did I did hear that Microsoft was unhappy with the progress on the project, and there was a sense that Near Automata and other other Platinum projects were taking a bigger priority for the studio than Scalebound was, and uh, Microsoft didn't want to be in a situation where they were funding something that wasn't going to deliver, you know, because in the past, Microsoft has been in situations where a developer, a second party developer they've been working with, have been like, oh, we just need, we just need another year, we just need another six months, blah, 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 pay, basically pay our wages for another six months to get this game out, and you, you put Microsoft over a barrel then, because it's like Microsoft announced the game, are they willing to take the big PR hit to cancel the game, or will they fund the game for another six months? And it was during 
it was during that time, this transitionary period where Microsoft was shifting money around, changing priorities, you know, and, and stuff like that. And it was during a transitionary period where, you know, Microsoft didn't have the wallet, op- the wallet open. And it, it was just a case of, do we want to keep playing money into this game that doesn't look like it's going to work in the near time, in the near term rather, or do we just cut our losses now? And it, it just seemed like a pure, pure business decision, you know. So I don't know the full story. We may never know the full story, but I think it's just one of those things, man. I think if there's any blame to be made, it's on Microsoft for announcing it too early. And that go that goes back to our whole discussion about Microsoft and then not announcing games often enough because it's like when they do announce their games, things go bad, you know. So it's hard to figure out. It's it's a balancing act, you know. It's a balancing act. Yeah. Well, it also has to do with not only announcing games maybe that are too early, but also relying on external developers to make your games for you, right? Yeah. That, so, that, that too. yeah, that, that, uh, that really kind of, uh, bit Microsoft in the ass this generation. Uh, you know, Crackdown 3 and what happened with the cloud, the multiplayer, Scalebound. Sure, they had some issues even internally with Lionhead and Fable, but, uh, yeah. That's why I'm happy to see Microsoft investing finally in a first party and not relying on other people to make your own games. It's, uh, it's it's something that they should have done a long time ago. But I'm not surprised because the, one of the first things I did hear about this whole Scalebound stuff was that, yeah, this isn't – Microsoft didn't want to cancel the game. They were almost kind of forced to to a certain degree. And yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that is literally why I said to you there's no way they'll cancel this because they were already taking heat about canceling Fable Legends. They were already taking heat about, like – I think I think it was Fable Legends anyway. But they they were taking heat from they were already taking heat from not having enough games. And I was just like no you were like I've heard they might be cancelling this game and I was just like, dude, there's no way because I knew it was gonna be such a massive PR disaster for them. And it and was it, and it was and we're still here talking about it now. Well only only, only because a developer is like, Yeah, yeah, we we were to blame too. you know, like so it's 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 funny because if you actually go back and look, uh, Microsoft announced the cancellation a month after Platinum Games announced the release date for Near Automata on PlayStation Four. Yeah, and maybe that's a coincidence, maybe it's not. But go back and look. You can look uh, on Google or YouTube. Just type in Near Automata release date PlayStation. You'll see the date, and then literally a month later. You can see Jez's article, Scalebound Cancelled. Uh, I was like, I was like, I was stunned because they only told me and IGN that that was happening. And I was like, wh- wh- why me? <laughs> Maybe they thought I damaged controller or something, but. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it was because um, we'd, uh, we'd been through. I think I might have reached out to PR, you know, when you when you told me that. And I think I, did, thought, I, I told you because you didn't believe me, but I told you to reach out. I'm like, dude, something's going on with Scalebound. Like, yeah, actually, and yeah, you and you awesome. reached out, and they told you that they had nothing to share about Scalebound at this time, and then you hit me back up and you're like, you know what? I think you might be onto something. Yeah, I think maybe what 
they probably thought like, oh god, Jesus is gonna leak it, mate. <laughs> and that's that's why they, that's why they told me. But man, it's it's it was messed up. Like you could tell they didn't want to have to talk about this. And like there there are people that. Microsoft, I know, who are really, really down about that. Like, people who are, like, working the community team, who, you know, they put a lot of time and effort into preparing social campaigns for that stuff. And, you know, there, there, was, there was a lot of excitement in Microsoft's, Microsoft's own team about... Oh, about you know, I can, guarantee, I, I can guarantee to you that, like, Microsoft wants to move on from not only this game, but from Crackdown... Uh, so they're probably not even ha- they're probably not even happy that this guy came came out and said what he said because it just brings b- bad you know memories about uh, the cancellation because I was told not that long ago people need to move on from Scalebound it's done and over with so I'm sure they don't really appreciate you know somebody you know bringing up you know basically old wounds um, yeah I guess speaking of old wounds I have a bone to pick with Ubisoft. Oh, oh, I know this is bad. I got a bone to pick here. This is my favorite part of the show. Yeah, oh. and I think I'm gonna rant because oh. this I'm is rant. this is getting ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> this is absolutely getting absurd. Now, Twitter says one of my all-time favorite franchises. I absolutely love it, and. As some of you may know, like I said, there was a Splinter Cell in development as far back as 2016. I know people who have played it. Legit have played it. And it got canceled. Fair enough, games get canceled all the time, they don't come out, whatever, right? Fine. And then you start hearing, you know, there's a Walmart Canada leak last year that basically got everything right except for Splinter Cell and something else. You're like, oh, God, new Splinter Cell coming, all right, Ubisoft's teasing. Every single year they don't do anything, right? Then you got, you know, this year people, Splinter Cell's coming, Splinter Cell Xbox exclusive, it's going to be great, it's going to be on the Xbox stage, it's going to be amazing, those three little lights come on up on the screen, and boom, Splinter Cell's back, baby. And you start thinking to yourself, well, Splinter Cell doesn't really fit into the style of games that Ubisoft makes anymore. The open world games as a service style doesn't really gel with what you, uh, what Splinter Cell is. But maybe they'll do it for the fans. Maybe they like the fans enough where, you know, like, we make enough money on Rainbow Six Siege, we make enough money on Odyssey and all this other stuff that we can throw the, 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 the fans a bone here, right? <laughs> and then yesterday a tweet comes out from, oh, man, uh... I mean, let me get the tweet out here. Where Where is this tweet? Uh, let me find it. It's from one of the uh, directors of the game. Okay, so from Julian Geggerty, who's the creative director of Ubisoft, literally puts out a tweet uh, working on the – God, I can't believe – like, because I saw this happen across my timeline. I was on Twitter at that moment, and my heart, like, started beating a thousand times a second. Like, I thought I was going to have a heart attack because I was so happy. <laughs> Working on the next Splinter Cell with, you know, Dan Hayhow and Roman, you know, whoever in line. Can't wait for E3. Crossover with the crew, too, with Fergus. Only missing Ghost Recon Rainbow Six, but on their way, right? And I'm like, did they literally just announce a new Splinter Cell game on Twitter like that, right? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Splinter Cell's back. Yeah, baby. I'm getting all excited. This is is something I've wanted. And then I, I look at the tweets some more. Buddy DMs me and says, uh, Ubisoft is having their annual creative, creative directors meeting, uh, so all these people are in one place and they're obviously really drunk. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, it's a, it's a troll. He's joking. I'm like, excuse me? 
It's a joke, <laughs> right? And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm 100% sure. It's a joke because I guess it's a big inside joke at Ubisoft that everybody assumes there's a new Splinter Cell coming, but they only ever hear it from people outside of Ubisoft, right? So it's like a big joke among these creative directors, which is why he's like, I'm excited to work with these two other creative directors who run their own franchises, one of them being The Division, one of them being Far Cry, and I, I don't know what the other guy does, but they all have their own franchises to run, right? <laughs> so then... It's so funny to me, as someone who doesn't care about Splint Cell. So I'm getting... I'm, I'm like, all right. I'm like, this is a... I'm like, really, this is a joke? Am I Am I a joke to you? Are Splinter Cell fans a joke to Ubisoft at this point? Because I don't think the joke is very funny. I think it's absolutely cruel. You know what? I know you think it's hilarious. It's It's funny because he he tweeted a a screenshot of Ubisoft's PR director saying, put your phone away. Put your phone away. (laughs) Like, Stone Sin, like, yeah, put your phone away. And then he doubles down on it, changes his icon to Sam Fisher with, you know, the Splinter Cell banner, really playing into the thing. And then I look at my buddies, it's like, don't get excited, it's a joke. Jason Schreer comes out and says, it's a troll, it's a joke. And I'm like, why are Ubisoft joking with people about this? Am I a joke to Ubisoft? For Splinter Cell, like, it's a joke in poor taste. I don't care. Imagine if Sony did this, right? Imagine if Sony came out and was like, you know, they had their creative directors meeting and, you know, the dude from uh, Sony Santa Monica was like, hey, excited to bring back SOCOM. Yeah, we're bringing back SOCOM, working with this. And it was a joke. Would SOCOM fans be like, yo, what the hell? Imagine if Microsoft came out and was like, excited to be working with blah, blah, blah again on Alan Wake 2 or Crytek 2 or, or, or Rise 2. And then it just was a joke. Are you serious? It's not funny whatsoever. It's so funny. It, it may be it's funny so to people funny. who don't give a shit about the yeah. franchise, but I care. So the fact that they're joking around with about it pisses me off. Oh, pisses man. me off to the end enter- because it's not a funny joke. What is oh, the punchline? What is the punchline? The punchline is Rand is mad. That's the punchline, baby. And you know what's even worse? I get a message today from a good friend who knows a lot of things, and he tells me there's not even a, a Splinter Cell game in active development right now. Ooh. That even even like even if they started tomorrow, it wouldn't even come out for the next four years. And it, it, there's not they're not even making one. Oh no, that's so sad. Look, do what you do what you <laughs> need to do for your business. I understand that you have all these other franchises well, well, that make you money. Calm, calm down, friend. It is interesting to think about uh, all this stuff, but Ubisoft had their financials recently, and they were saying stuff like, we want to double down on our, you know, RIP, we want to branch out into new genres, you know, which I guess it's, it's not a new genre for them, but like like you said earlier, they only make open world service games now, but you know, it, it sounds like in their financials they want to branch out into other types of genres as well beyond that. That's, that sounds promising for the future of Splinter Cell, maybe. Look, right. yeah, but the th- okay, here's the thing. I understand your business. You're in it to make money. Everybody knows that. 
all these other franchises make money. Splinter Cell doesn't really fit the model you're going for. I understand that. And if if you had no Splinter Cell to make, understandable. But there's no reason to tease it. There's no reason to get people's excitements up and be like, working on the next Splinter Cell. And I don't care that the whole, the, the argument is, well, you should have known it was a troll because how is anybody supposed to know besides people with connections, that there's a creative director meeting going on somewhere, and they're all just drunk on wine. And you should have known it was a troll because they're drinking wine in the pictures, and the tweet wasn't deleted, and they played into it. I'm sorry. You know what, Ubisoft? I can't swear because YouTube will screw over the video. But screw you. Screw you, okay? Screw you. I'm legit pissed because the joke's not funny. And I would say the same thing for if Microsoft pulled this with Alan Wake 2 or Quantum Break 2 or Rise 2 or any of the other games Microsoft doesn't make sequel for that people want Sunset Overdrive 2, they just tease it. But, oh, sorry, we're not making it. SOCOM or whatever have you that PlayStation fans want or whatever Nintendo fans want. Uh, I would be... It's a, it's a little bit funny. To you, perhaps. A little, a little bit funny. You know, you have any... If like if Microsoft teased they were bringing back Windows Phone, and then it weren't, then I, I might I might be able to understand how you feel. But. Yeah, so I'm upset. But I did I did see the uh, I did see the financials. Rainbow Six Siege, billion dollars. God, what? That's, a billion yeah. dollars? A billion dollars made up made over a billion dollars on Rainbow Six Siege. Oh this my gen. god! A gamer by choice. I, I oh I will say this by the way. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege is Windows Central's biggest game for coverage. I mean, I, I think it's Ubisoft's I, biggest game. Yeah, I, I would never, I would never have known this, like, or expected this, but Matt Brown on Windows Central covers Rainbow Six Siege religiously. He's actually, uh, heading out to Ubisoft soon to check out the new season content and stuff. It does more traffic for us than any other game. Yeah. That game is huge, and I barely even played it. I kind of feel like I, they need to give it a, another look at some point. Gamer by Choice says, I'm with you right now. I was excited for Splinter Cell more than some most most games out right now. Thanks, thanks for the support, buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, Christina says, 100, 150% with you, Rand. It wasn't funny. Yes, it wasn't funny. Guys, What's guys, 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 uh, guys. How about this? You could start a support group for Splinter Cell fans. Yeah. Uh, God, get me excited. I, you know what? I don't care. Like, I'm, 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 I'm like shutting my heart to Ubisoft and Splinter Cell at this point. I'm not going to believe anything. I'm not going to believe anything, especially after Buddy oh, tells man. me there's no Splinter Cells in active development. Oh, oh my man. god! You know, and I, because, because I, I just want to see it come back, Jazz. I just want Sam Fisher to return, right? I oh. look, and I, look, Rainbow Six Siege billion dollars, Assassin's Creed Odyssey sold more than Origins in the same time frame. Uh, Far Cry 5 is Ubisoft's best-selling game this generation. They're killing it. Division 2, though, underperformed on consoles, is what they said. Overperformed on PC, which was only on Steam or Uplay. But yeah, I guess Division 2 didn't go that well. And then I saw today that the the first raid is coming, and there's no matchmaking for the first raid, and it's eight players. Uh, so, sorry. yeah, Ubisoft. Uh, mistake. I might hit my contact to Ubisoft and ask what's going on there. Because seriously... Right. Who has eight friends? Who <laughs> who is over maybe twenty one and has eight friends? I I can barely even get like three friends organized 
with kids and work and university and all that sort of stuff. Like back in the day, when I was a teenager, maybe I could organize eight friends to do something. Well, Xbox has this great thing called LFG on the console where you can um you can make that's, a that's like a group true. and then get people to play it. So I mean on Xbox you might be able to find eight friends that the are LFG, leveled up. The LFG so. system is now also in the Windows ten game bar, which is really handy actually. Uh, about thirty six Creek says Rand, Far Cry sells better than the Assassin's Creed question mark. Well according to Ubisoft, Far Cry five is their best selling current gen game. So yeah. Far Cry five is at least. Um, Gunstar, Gunstar with Super Chatty says, you started without me, FSS. Well, we know what that is. I just can't say it. I guess I have to listen tomorrow while I'm working from home, lols. Yeah, because we didn't, we didn't, uh, do a show last week. So I, I hit Jez up last, yesterday. I'm like, you want to do a podcast Wednesday? And he's like, yes. So, um, there's that. Um, so yeah, you know, screw Ubisoft. That's all I got to say on it. Screw Ubisoft. Uh, they delayed Skull and Bones again. I mean, they might as well just cancel that game at that point. At this point in time, nobody cares about that game. Uh, they have three. I am intrigued by that game. Thank you very much. I don't know anything about it other than pirates, but I think right. it's supposed to be a PvP game, Skull and Bones. Uh, no, I think there's a campaign too. But yeah, there's PvP, and then I think they said they have what three unannounced games for uh, E3. Well, one of them is Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which they just announced. The other is Watch Dogs Three, which is set in London. And the other one's probably Just Dance 2020. Who gives a flying shit? Oh, there you go. The YouTube, YouTube algorithm. Yeah, I'm allowed one swear word, okay? I'm allowed one. one. I'm, okay. I'm allowed well, one. That means I'm not allowed one. No, no, you can't that swear. That means I'm not allowed one. No, you can't swear. Right. That's great. So, yeah, <laughs> moving on. Um, that, was, that was a tough segment. You loved it. You, you don't lie. You enjoyed every single moment of that segment. You like seeing my heart ripped out and stomped upon. I do. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Sam yeah. says Ubisoft doesn't consider Just Dance a triple A game. Fair enough. Fair enough. It'll be something else. It won't be it won't be uh Splinter Cell though, I'll tell you that much. It won't be Splinter Cell. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be? Um yeah, maybe a Ubisoft Nintendo game. But Rabbit Xbox- Rabbits Two. Mario Rabbits Two. Hell yeah. Gears 5, Jez, had its release and cover art potentially leaked by the Taiwanese Game Ratings Board. The cover looked like fan art, didn't love it, didn't hate it, although a lot of people really did. It definitely looked different than most of the Gears cover art. But the real info here is the release date, which is September 10th, which I've heard for quite some time is the rumored, or at least I was told, that September is the launch month for Gears. What do you what, what do you think about this? I have heard from reliable sources that Gears will launch in September. Ooh. So I think maybe it's probably true. It's either September or October. So it's probably not far off. Now I had a disagreement with uh, my buddy Kid Smooth. Uh, I said in my video that because it launches on the Tuesday, September 10th, and during that same week on that Friday is Borderlands 3, that would be in Microsoft's best interest to move Gears away from Borderlands. He disagreed. Uh, he thinks Gears can coexist with uh, Borderlands in the same week. I said I don't think it's smart to release two big games the same week. I um, think I should do it. You think they should? Is it because of the Game Pass equation? 
I think they should do it because A, because Game Pass completely mm-hmm. circumvents Borderlands, and B, because I hate Borderlands. Because, okay, yeah. There, so <laughs> the, does, does the uh, audience really overlap? There is Game Pass, which is a, uh, a thing that, you know, years ago you don't have to consider, but now you do. And, uh, so it's like, someone could just have Game Pass for Gears for 10 bucks, and then buy Borderlands and have the money for it. Um, I believe Microsoft also has the marketing rights to Borderlands. Uh, so they could ha- go extra hard into the marketing. I just kind of feel like Borderlands, I think Borderlands is going to be absolutely massive. I'm not that like big on it, like the franchise, but I think, I think Borderlands is going to be huge. And yeah, you have Ghost Recon Breakpoint launching on October 3rd, I believe. Um, and we don't know what else the rest of September's lineup looks like, but to me, it's like, you know, maybe you release Gears the week after, uh, Borderlands 3. Maybe uh, try I moving think, it up. I think that can totally coexist. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I think like if Gears, if Gears is solid this time and has like a really good story, I think like they can totally coexist. Personally, they've got very they've got a very different tone, and yeah, I guess you're right. Game Pass completely changes the argument. I mean, it does. The, it, it, does. It, it, it also depends Maybe. how they're going to monetize the um, monetize the multiplayer as well, because Gears has a very dedicated multiplayer. It sure does. Yeah. And I'm I, and we probably are to assume that Gears is going to have an ultimate edition of a hundred bucks where you can play it four days early. So if the launch date is the tenth, that's probably for the regular and Game Pass, and it'll probably launch the Friday before for people who want to buy the hundred dollar version, more than likely. Mm. So I, I'm just, like, yeah, Game Pass. I guess that could work, but it's more about time. It's like you have Gears on Tuesday, Borderlands on Friday. Something's not getting played. Maybe something's not even getting bought. Uh, uh, Borderlands not getting played. Borderlands, boring. Borderlands is bigger. I think. Oh, I think it's bigger. But it is. It is bigger. But it's it's lamer. It's lamer. Okay. Now I did see a question in chat asking basically, what does this mean for Ori 2's release date? Um, I think Ori 2 is, and from what I'm hearing, uh, August, which would be fantastic. Does. Any any thoughts on 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 uh, on Ori two? Yeah, I would think maybe you're right about August. Maybe so. Is there a possibility it gets delayed to next year? I there's always a possibility. There's always a possibility. I have heard August for Ori two, but again, you know, you have to take these things with a grain of salt until it's fully confirmed. So if we if we now now the August date, I'd be happy, but. Um, you know, things things happen. You know, things get delayed sometimes. Battletoads. People are asking about Battletoads in chat. Uh, kill it with fire. Cancel that game. And uh, I, yeah. I, I don't get why you want to cancel a game you haven't even seen. Rand. There's a game that deserves to be canceled. It's Battletoads. I, I almost called you Randy then. Randy. Randy. There's a game. If there's a game that deserves to be canceled, it's Battletoads. There's a game that deserves not to exist. Battletoads. You haven't even seen the game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What if, what, if it, what if it's like as good as Ori? 
with like I'll, I'll be the first one. To, I'll be I'll be the first one to eat my words. I always do that. I'm always honest. If if Battletoads is amazing, I'll be the first one on here being like, man, I'm glad <laughs> they didn't cancel it. This game is really. I mean, I'm just obviously I'm playing it up. I don't really mean that from the cancel. You can, and if you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. And this is a running joke we do with Battletoads by now. Uh, then you know <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, see the people are like freaking out, but no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm happy for all the Battletoads fans out there that get their uh, get the game that they wanted after uh, so long. But uh, yeah, I don't think Battletoads. Yeah, it's, it's, ba- it's bad karma, you know. It's like if you slight Battletoads, you'll never get Splinter Cell. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, I noticed we have like 450 people watching. Oh wow, that's a lot. Hello. Uh, 147 likes. If you're enjoying the show, uh, do me and Judge a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the dislike button if you aren't enjoying the show. Uh, share it out on social media. More people can get in here. You know, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the support that we get. I know we're not the biggest Xbox podcast out there, but we try our best. Um, Xbox Game Pass, Jazz had some interesting info come out about it, oh. about its subscriber numbers. I don't know if you saw this. Who said, who, where does this come from? Eh, somewhere on the internet, some website said that uh, not only did it account for 30% of Microsoft's Xbox's total revenue, but also that it had 9.5 million subscribers. Hmm. And I wanted to ask you what you thought, because I gave my own thoughts about it in the video. Uh, so I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what Jez knows about this. Well, I don't know at all any specific numbers. I don't know what the thinking is about how well it's performing either. Like, I, I haven't heard that it's doing badly, for example. But um, I don't know. That sounds like pretty close to what I would have expected. I mean, what do you think? I don't have a ton of insight to add here. The 30% is bullshit. Um, that's not true whatsoever. 30%? Oh no, that's not true. I mean, 30, Microsoft made Xbox made ten billion dollars last well, this year. Thirty well, percent, well, three billion well, doesn't make yeah. any sense. Nine point five. I could, here's the thing. They he said, and the guy. Well, yeah. that's, well that's revenue, not profit. Well, so if, it was, if, it was, if it was thirty percent, that means they'd be spending a crap ton of money on getting the exclusives. And that's well, no, I mean, that's just revenue from people paying the ten dollars a month, which you would need. You would need almost. Because like nine mil, nine, like ten million a month, ten million subscribers a month playing ten bucks comes out to be correct, about. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But is revenue expenditure plus profits? No, revenue minus expenditure equals profits. You take how much you brought in, how much it cost, then you know um, that's your profit. Right. Revenue is just money you brought in. All right. Either way, the thirty percent is not true whatsoever because the, the math just doesn't add up. You know, even if you say they're at ten million, ten million a month, that only really adds up to about I don't know, like one point four billion. Thirty, thirty percent is three billion. So it doesn't make any sense. Nine million. I mean, all we have heard from officially from Xbox is that Game Pass has had millions of subs. Now that could be one point one, that could be three, that could be five. Nine million, I think, is a stretch. I think they're aiming at nine million three years from now, and making that type of money when they have. Uh, Game Pass on, you know, like mobile devices, 
and Game Pass on your PC because it's currently only on the console. And if 10 million people are subscribed to it and Xbox only has 40 million consoles sold, you're telling me one in four people are signed up to it? Uh, I don't really think so. Now, I could see if the, if the info was 9 million people have tried it through various trials and sales, it's a little bit more reasonable. But I think what you can do is you can lock it down for it being having more subs than PlayStation now. PlayStation just announced that they have 700,000 subs. I think Game Pass has more than that. And I would I would guess that place that Xbox has probably anywhere between two to three million. I don't think it's more than that. But that's yeah, just me. That's just me. I think the play for nine million is next generation when Microsoft's full vision comes into focus and they're literally everywhere. That's the play. They're not going to get ten million on a console user base of forty million. Uh, I want to know the source of this info. The source was some website, but people ran with it like it was true. I, you know, that's how like fake news spreads, right? So I did a video and I'm like, I don't think this is true, uh, which is why I want to talk about it here. I mean, would I love for it to be true? And I'm sure Microsoft would love for it to be true. Nine million dollars, that means they could take that money, they can invest it, they can get better games for Game Pass, they can take that money, invest it in more studios, and to pump out more games, hire better developers to make better games so you can get more or quality games on Game Pass, like it's like it's like you know, it feeds into itself. It's just I don't think it's anywhere. Like imagine the scenario that let's let's say it was true. Like hypothetically, like hypothetically, Microsoft was at nine nine point five million subs, and we know that PlayStation is at seven hundred thousand. We know that EA Access and Origin Access are at three point five. I guarantee you, Microsoft would be shouting this from the rooftops. Mm. There would be press releases, and every time they would talk, they would they would basically talk about how they're the leader in that space. Because PlayStation would be so far behind, and even EA would be so far behind. They'd be like, we have joined the 9 million subscribers who have already signed up to Game Pass. I can see the marketing angle already, and I'm, I'm not even a marketing major. I at least know that you shouldn't call your product an Xbox One sad. So maybe I can't, maybe I am qualified to work at Microsoft in that regard. Oh my god. But that sells itself. Join the other, join the 10 million of, of Game Pass subscribers who have found everything. I, like, look, that whole thing sells itself. But, there isn't anything, so it leads me to kind of believe that it's not that high. It's probably 2 million, maybe approaching 3, but plays, plays for next gen. Anyway. Th- the thing is, if there's one company that knows how to get subs, it's Microsoft, right? Microsoft has more subscribers to its services than Netflix and Spotify combined. But that's on the, you know, the productivity side with Office and OneDrive and that sort of thing. So Microsoft has the data and info on how to succeed in the subscriber space. It's just a matter of time, I would say, before they actually get to that level where they can start you know, shouting at the rooftops about it, maybe. Well, yeah, I see a few people in chat saying that, this, you know, Joe Freeman says Microsoft doesn't get numbers ran. Uh, a couple other people saying that uh, Microsoft doesn't talk about this. And that's true, because their numbers aren't as good as anybody else's. They don't talk about console sales because they don't sell as much as PlayStation 
or Nintendo Switch. They don't talk about Xbox Live Gold numbers, uh, you know, numbers because they're not as good as PlayStation Now. Like, they don't talk about game sales because they're not as good as the third parties or, or, or Sony's, right? Uh, they, they, they have talked about player engagement and this, and, and like, if you announce 9 million subscribers, that is kind of like the engagement that Microsoft would tout and it would also put them on top of a very, uh, big market. They could basically say, uh, you're the market, you're the, you're, they're the market leader. So, no, uh, FC Violent, I think Game Pass does. I think Game Pass does way more than PlayStation now. I just don't think it's 9, 9 million. But, um, yeah, moving on. So we got a super chat here from Easy Shock. He says, will we ever get a new Conquer Banjo, JFG, or PD? So I'm assuming... Perfect JF- Dark, right? Yeah, per- PD is Perfect Dark. What is JFG? Jeff Force Gemini? Will we ever get a new Conquer Banjo or Perfect Dark? I'm going to say no to a new Conquer. I'm going to say no to a Banjo. I'm going to say no to Jet Force Gemini. And I'm going to say maybe, maybe new Perfect Dark. I'm, I'm going to say no to all of them. I'm going to say no to all of them. Yep. Well, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I think Microsoft is invested in Save for, like, some of their really bigger franchises, I think Microsoft's really invested in getting new stuff out there. Like, I bitched about them not having sequels and stuff like that, and some of the feedback I got from people at Microsoft on that is, don't expect sequels. <laughs> um, it, it was like you said earlier, it's moving on, moving forward to a new era or whatever. Yeah. So... I don't think they're going to leave a lot of that stuff in the past and try and make new stuff. Yeah, I can't see Rare making... I don't think Rare's ever going to make a game from their back catalog. If something like Banjo gets made, it would be from a third-party dev that Microsoft fires on a smaller scale, like something with Battletoads. But I think Rare's completely on new things. I don't think... I, I mean, there's a legacy with their IP, but I don't think they're interested in making something like that. As for Perfect Dark... Uh, Johnny Patton's asked us, when you picture a next-gen Perfect Dark, do you picture a third-person Uncharted-type game with spy-like platforming or an FPS? I picture it like Uncharted, third-person. I picture it like Deus Ex, open-ended, sort of complicated stealth game. But the thing is, I know Microsoft probably wouldn't actually be able to pull that off. But then again, you know, you do have Crystal Dynamics, Crystal Dynamics is boss, you know, and they worked closely with IDOS to support the day, some of the Deus Ex games. So, uh, from working at the initiative now with Daryl Gallagher, so, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I am so intrigued about what those guys are working on, the initiative. Me too. I mean, they're building a big team together. It's funny, they, they build that, that studio in Santa Monica, and they're definitely taking a lot of high, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of talent from, you know, a lot of Sony studios over there, Naughty Dog, Santa Monica, even Rockstar and stuff. It's the one studio that I am like really excited to see. Like I, I'm, I'm super pumped to see what, you know, Playground Games is doing for their second studio, what Obsidian's project is after the Outer Worlds, what Ninja Theory is doing after their new IP because I've heard things about their new IP which doesn't really inspire me with the most confidence. 
So I'm looking forward to their next game in 2022. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, whatever the initiative does, like, it just seems like they're, they just have the budget to do whatever they, they want to make. And I think. But it's I mean, interesting though, because they were rec- in a recent interview, they were sort of downplaying. They were talking about like being lightweight and nimble and being able to respond to industry trends and stuff like that, which to me says games as service. It doesn't say, it doesn't scream single player to me. I'm not saying it's going to be single player only. I've never said that. I think some people want it to be single player only. Um, maybe I think it'll have a component where there is a single player, perhaps co-op. But I think they're going to stay small until they lock down all their leads and exactly figure out what exactly they want to make. And when it goes into full production, that's when they'll they'll uh, hire. So they're just trying to put together, uh, you know, the the big wigs at the studio so they can have that going. I like I don't expect to see hear anything about their game. I, I definitely this year, like you can count them out. I would yeah. even I would even think next year is probably too early. I think the earliest you're going to be able to play the initiative game is 2023 and probably more realistically 2024. Yeah, I um, agree. I think like that that studio is a long way away from actually having anything to put in our hands because you know they've got to basically become a studio first and a team. But that said, the art director was talking about, you know, doing um, research and stuff recently. So I think they do have a concept that they're working towards. Oh, I'm sure they do. At the very least. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they 100% they know what they're working on. And and I would expect 2021 is when they'll probably show it off for the first time at E3, if there is even an E3. Maybe (laughs) Maybe there's a slight chance next year. Uh, they showed off, but I, I still think it's, it's that, it's super far away. Like, I, I yeah, start... Were you joking then? About, sorry to cut you off, but were you joking then about there not being an E3? Because I've seen people actually starting to say that now, that E3 is falling I mean, didn't you know it's irrelevant? Oh. I mean, Sony's not there, so it doesn't matter. Even though they'll be there next year, and then it'll matter again. Oh, thank, thank God. Thank I mean, God. you know, the last, like, four years is like, who's won E3? And then now this year suddenly, uh, it doesn't matter at all, even though like, you know, I, even, isn't AMD even doing something about like tech at like within the next consoles and all that stuff, right? Something like that. And I, I just saw Sony had a job listing about, uh, they need an event planner for like five events next year or something like that. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, they're gonna need events because they got a, a new product to sell you. It's called the PlayStation 5. So they're gonna be at PSX, they're gonna be at, uh, Tokyo Game Show, they're gonna be at Gamescom, they're gonna be at Paris Games Week, they're gonna be at E3, because next year Sony is going to have a new product to sell you, and they're gonna be able to tell you about all these great games that they're working on for the next generation of PlayStation. They just didn't want to do it this year. So everybody's saying, everybody, listen, you can go look and look and say how many people say E3 is irrelevant this year because Sony's not there. And then watch when Sony announces they're back at E3 next year and suddenly how it's relevant again. <laughs> keep in mind who's saying that. Just keep in mind. Um, Netflix, Jazz, Netflix is at E3 this year. Did you see this? Really? Yeah, they uh they have a they have like a panel about like bringing uh, Netflix originals from the screen to video games. Oh, cuz they they do have a Stranger Things game, right? Yeah, they do have a 
they do they do have a Stranger Things game that comes out uh, I think around the launch of the game. Isn't it like a two a two D sort of adventure game or something? It's like it's a small game. It's not like a huge triple A thing, but it's like a fun little indie game or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And shout out to Orlando Telfer for the Super Chat. So Game Pass is on PC. I'm sub to it. Uh, technically, it's not. Technically, um, Game Pass is on the Xbox console. And if any Xbox Play Anywhere games are on the service, you can then play them for uh, free on the PC. The PC doesn't have its own distinct Game Pass uh, sub. Which Yeah, it's like the, the only games that work in Xbox Game Pass on PC are the UWP games that work there by default. I think, like, but the thing is, Microsoft is going to be putting together a new sort of, a new sort of Game Pass specifically for PC, which includes games that aren't on Xbox. Um, Satya Nadella said that in one of his uh, investor calls a while back. So, I think that's that's more what Rand meant. There yeah, they'll eventually have Game Pass on PC, and then uh, they'll have the xCloud stuff streaming on your phone, and then they can get even millions and millions of more subs. Um, and, um, that was one of the one of the most relevant takeaways from Build Microsoft's Dev Conference the other week, which was otherwise which was pretty damn boring to be honest this year. But um, one of the the key takeaways from that was that UWP is basically dead. Um, now it's like Win32 has been elevated back to the top of Microsoft's developer stack. So, at the moment, if a dev wants to get a game in Game Pass, that it has to be like a UWP PC game. But, eventually, now like Phil Spencer's just been like, eh, UWP sucks yeah. in general. Um, devs will be able to bring full Win32 games over to the Microsoft Store um, as normal, and as a result of that, it means they can start actually being a more credible PC distributor. But, well, I'll just have to wait and see, I guess. So you want to talk about E3 and what Xbox, the importance of this year's E3 and what Xbox needs to do, absolutely needs to do this year sure, to man. win people over? Sure, buddy. Why not? So... How would you rate the importance of this year's E3 compared to the others? Like, how realistically, how important is this year's E3 to, to Xbox? Hey, well, this year's E3 is, like, more important than usual because Microsoft has the whole floor. It's like they've got no excuse to, you know, be bad, I guess you could say. So, on that basis, Microsoft better bring it because the stay, the spotlight is on them. Not just from a first-party perspective, but also a third-party perspective. Um, so there's that aspect of it. But, again, it's like we talk about like this whole games thing, where the games, where the high-quality games and all that sort of stuff. But this, this has been a problem for years now, you know, and it hasn't, like, put Microsoft out of business yet. So do I think it's as crucial as some sensationalists are making out? No. Not really. I mean, Nintendo basically just, like, Nintendo just does these, like, tiny little, you know, half an hour long live streams for their games, you know. That's true. They do that. Nobody expects 
nobody expects Nintendo to have like these big three hour long press conferences that are full of repeated AAA blockbuster exclusives. You know, and Nintendo haven't put themselves out of business or anything like that. So, you know, I think like the idea that it's so crucial for them that they're going to be dead if they don't have a, you know, stellar E3 is completely overblown. But that said, as from a fan's perspective, which is what E3 is all about, I would like to see them bring it, so to speak. I mean, I agree with you that this year's more important than... This year's important because it's magnified. Microsoft's going to be put under a Microsoft... Microsoft's Microsoft. going to be put under a microscope. Xbox is going to be put under a microscope more this year than any year previously. And I know, because this, this, this conversation always comes up every single year. Is it make it or break it for Xbox? Is it make it or break it? And it's only really come up the last two years because, you know... 2013, 2014, 2015, even 2016, uh, they were, I mean, yeah, they weren't selling as much as Sony, but uh, the, the game's situation was a lot different back then than it has been the last two years. The only last two years where most, most people consider where Xbox took a dive versus Sony, where Sony's had its best two years, Xbox has had arguably its worst two years. So people are like, well, what do you got from Microsoft? Like, I'm not seeing very much, right? But this year, Sony's not showing up, so everybody is going to be looking at Microsoft to see what do you have to show, and they're not going to be able to get upstaged by Sony, like, literally that night, like, normally, or the next day. So, if you have a terrible show, if you come out there and you have a terrible show, it's magnified a hundred times more than it ever would be. But then again, on the flip side, if you have an amazing show, then it's celebrated more uh, because your rival's not there. So it's important in that regard. Uh, you know, this is the one time of the year where uh, even, like, just casual fans of gaming pay attention to what's going on at E3 because they want to know all the different game announcements and different things everybody's doing. So people are going to be paying attention. Um, but I, I, I kind of still think next year is more important. Next year is kind of the start off for for uh, next generation. And you've got to start off next generation with momentum on the right Sony foot. will be back next year, too. Well, Sony will be back next year, so now you have the direct comparison. But you've got to start off next-gen on the right footing. You, you you basically chopped your own foot off in 2013 with all that nonsense that everybody was talking about. You screwed yourself for the whole gen. And it basically just followed you along like a, you know like somebody's uh, stench, stench trail that hasn't taken a shower in two weeks. You know, Ooh. people two blocks yeah. behind could still smell it. Even though Xbox in 2015, you could still play, you could play used games, and you always could play used games. There's people in 2015 who are like, can you play used games? I don't really know, because the one time I tuned into E3, uh, they, they were, they were talking about that stuff, right? So it has, it, so you need to start the momentum, but then you need to start the momentum this year. You can't, you can't just stack next year, like, so that goes into things like what they need to do, right? And, Obviously, we know Halo and Gears and all that stuff are going to be there, right? That Those are given, and those are important franchises. But I do think that my, what Microsoft needs to do, and people will disagree with me, especially probably people at Xbox, they 100% need to, te- need to show off Fable, in my opinion. Mm. Because if you're going to E3 this year, 
and and the entirety of the show is focused on you and what you're doing, and you show up to the show with literally last year's template, Gears, Halo, but minus Forza, and all you add is Ninja Theory's new game, you better show me Fable. You better, even, even, even though Fable might be a 2022 title, don't give me that we can't show stuff early. You showed Ori 2 in 2017. It's about to be in its 33. You know what I mean? Like, you, you showed Halo Infinite last year, and ain't coming out to 2020, so it'll essentially be at three E3s. So, so don't give me the thing like, well, we don't want to show Fable early, uh, cause it's not coming out for three years. You, you, you've shown games early before. The excuse that, you want to use the we don't sell sell stuff early is because, well, you had no stuff in development to show. It was PR stuff. So don't say we can't, we want to show Fable next year because it'll be two years. You can show Fable this year. You can show Fable in uh, 2020 and then you can show in 2021 and have it come out or whatever. Or even early 2022. You know? Because I, as much as I look forward to Halo, which I do. I love Halo. It's my favorite franchise. And I am looking forward to Gears 5, and we both think there's no Forza this year, right? Yeah, well, so you, that, Well, I mean, what? There'll be an expansion. Well, yeah, there'll, there'll be an expansion, but that's not a new game. That's just an expansion. Uh, Ninja Theory's game will be there, which, you know, I don't think is going to be a single-player game that most people think. And I don't really think Minecraft Dungeons and, and all that stuff really cuts it. And I can't see them announcing Killer Instinct 2 this year. That'll be more for next year. It's like, you have all these other studios making stuff which are too far along. Like, in my opinion, they 100% need the show Fable. That's just me. You can disagree with me all you want. But that is what I think Microsoft, one of the things Microsoft needs to, to do, Jez. Do you have any, does Microsoft need to do something for you? Yeah, my expectations have been become pretty low over time, and I've just sort of settled into this sort of expecting to be disappointed mindset with Microsoft in general. So I, the thing is, with being an Xbox fan, you just have to just accept that you ain't going to get great first party output. It's just sad, but that's kind of where I'm at with Xbox right now. So for me. I'll just be happy if they show me Cyberpunk, if they show me, like, the good third-party games that I'm interested in. And I'll just, you know, be like, ah, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen anyway. You know. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me the way it bothers other people about them winning a console war or whatever, because I'm happy the way it is. I mean, I'm not talking about winning some console war. I just want some good games. That I like. I mean, I know people love Sea of Thieves and ain't my thing, right? We have a, we have a, you know, comment here from Johnny Pattons. Thanks for Super J. It says, no more well next year. Every extra year Microsoft waits to show off the more interest they lose. It's time. Own the C3 and get people pumped. Um, and look, I, I love third party games just as much as anybody. I pretty much play them all, but at the same time, third party games are everywhere. You can play third-party games on your PC, your PlayStation, sometimes your Switch. Like, and, yeah, I mean, last year was great because it was a well-paced show, and they showed a lot of great third-party titles. 
but maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of the old school mentality of like, okay, Microsoft, what are you, what are you doing? What are you making? What are you making to make Xbox special in comparison to everybody else? Everybody has Division Two. Everybody's gonna have Cyberpunk 2077. You know what I mean? Everyone's gonna have Dying Light Two. What is that's the thing? As as a techie, that for me is XCloud. I'm like, I'm excited to see if whether this thing can work or not. You know, I'm just, I, I just don't expect much from that first party anymore. It's just the way it is now for me. I've never been a massive Halo fan. I, I love my Gears, but it's sort of like, do I think Gears will innovate to the point where it's mind-blowing, like Cyberpunk, I expect Cyberpunk to be? Not really, you know, it's just sort of like, it's it's almost like a Forza, you know, you, you know it's going to be, you know exactly what Forza Horizon is going to be every time it comes out. I almost feel like, I don't expect to be surprised by those games. I just expect them to be solid, you know, at the least, I guess. So it's sad in a way that I, I expect so little from them. But at the same time, I guess that means I can't be disappointed, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I hear you, and I have conversations with people about this stuff, and... Not not necessarily at Xbox, but like friends and, and I don't know. Like I look at third party stuff as as awesome, but I also look at it as like you can play it anywhere. It doesn't really it doesn't really move move the move the needle. What moves the needle for me is like what is Microsoft doing to differentiate themselves from PlayStation or Nintendo or elsewhere? Well, it's the services for one, but if you want people to use your services, you better have content that they can only get there. They can't get anywhere else. Then, like, you know what I mean? Mm. So, Halo Infinite, yeah, it's going to be on PC, but also Xbox and potentially mobile phones and stuff. I, I, I don't know, like, and, I mean, I, we have a couple things here we need to leave, like, read, like, Spitfire, Spitfire says, I would love, it, if Ninja made, Ninja Theory made Enslavement kept the same formula as the original, perhaps change it up a bit. Uh, also, what about Two Human? Um, two, two Human's never yeah. coming back. No, uh, that's never yeah, that's, ever that, that's a dead franchise. Um, I would love for Ninja Theory to revisit Enslave, but I believe Bandai Namco owns that IP, so I doubt it. And I think Microsoft just wants them working on newer stuff. Um, and well, they're allowed to work on anything they want, right? Supposedly, I mean that's what they said. They have creative freedom to work on whatever they want. But I mean, you can't really like, hey, we want to do Enslave too. Microsoft's like, well, sure, but that's not. We don't own that IP. Like, we'd have to go get it. And, you know, Enslaved 2 wasn't a big sales success, so as much as I would love to see a sequel, I doubt we will. And Gotham Guys... A lot of the games I'm excited for this year, they're not even on Xbox. They're like PC games, strategy games and stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm... John Romero is announcing a new Paradox strategy game um, based on a completely new IP. And I'm excited for that, you know, for PC... Yeah, I love my Paradox games, and um, I just, I just, I just don't expect that much from Xbox anymore on the games front. I just want to see, I want to see Project X Cloud. I want to know if X Cloud works. I want to know if I'll be able to play like these games on the go that you just can't do now. That to me is exciting. You know, being able to play. And I'm sure on, on my phone. I'm sure that will be exciting to a segment of people. Like, and I, I, look, I am interested in, in seeing the technology work. Don't get me wrong. Like, man, I would love to see, like, you know, 
uh, Forza Horizon 4 on my phone or like, but it, it's more of a novelty to me. Like, it's not something that I see myself using often at all. Uh, to be like, well, I have my phone here, so I might as well, I'm sitting around the doctor's office, let me just kind of just, you know, let me get this clip on, okay, which I'm carrying around, and clip on this thing on this phone, and now I'm playing, you know, the Rage 2 on my on my phone. Like, I'm sure there's maybe that works for a lot of other people. I mean, obviously there's a big uh, investment on that space. I mean, we got Google coming in here thinking that that is the future, uh, this whole streaming thing. I'm not as convinced, but Microsoft clearly thinks it's the next next thing. I, I don't think it's the future. I just think it's a complementary experience. You know? yeah, I think it'll be complementary as well. I, I think it won't, it won't be the future until years and years and years and years. Can you, and, can you imagine a world without a console having a live service now? Microsoft came out with X, Microsoft innovated on Xbox Live and it changed everything. You know, it's like. It doesn't have to be the the upheaval that people fear it to be. It's just a complementary thing. Like if if Microsoft had never made Xbox Live, someone else would have done it, you know. And thankfully it, for Microsoft, it was them that innovated first. So like, imagine if Microsoft hadn't bothered making Xbox Live, you know, they wouldn't have had they wouldn't have had anything, you know, to compete with other companies. And, like, even now, Sony's playing catch-up on Xbox Live. That's a, that's a fact, you know, in terms of quality and services and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, look. It'll be the same with xCloud. Yeah, they have to do it. I, I understand that. But Johnny Patton says Xbox 2019 E3 needs to be what Sony's 2016 was, which is where they showed off literally everything, God of War, Spider-Man, Death Stranding, uh, a whole bunch of games. Uh, that year, which people loved. And then Gospel Guy says, Phil announced at last year's E3 that Playground Games is working on a new project. He said it was going to talk about it later, but never did, so Fable will be announced. Book it. I lo- I would love for Fable to be announced this year, and he did say that, Jez. He did say when they bought He's Playground, he said that uh, they're bringing their expertise to an open-world RPG, and they'll you know be excited to share more details about that later. Now, some people thought that later meant like at XO18, uh, obviously, later could be any time in the future. But you know, if, if he doesn't say anything about that this year, that, <laughs> maybe you should go back and like add him saying, "We'll talk about this two years from now," right? Yeah. Um. I, yeah, but that's the one thing for me. The one thing. Uh, I want to see his fable. I know they're all working on other other games and other experiences and new services and all that stuff. I want to see fable. Um, obviously, Jez is different than me. He wants different things, which is great. And I'm sure everybody in chat probably has their own things they want to see. Um, honestly, Gears Tactics, man. I don't care one bit for Gears Tactics. See, this is this is where me and Jez differ. Like, Jez is like, give me Gears Tactics, and I'm like, Gears Tactics. Who cares? I see Wasteland Three. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to see Wasteland Three as a fable. Sorry, Try off. Excuse me, sir. You heard me. Give me, give me Wasteland Three info instead of Fable. You, Wasteland Three can be a news article on Xbox Live the morning up. Who cares? Give me Wasteland Three info instead of Halo Infinite. How about that? How about them apples, baby? Halo Infinite. <laughs> Jazz, you're just doing this. You, you don't really mean that. No, I mean that. No. I mean that. I mean that. 
I prefer. I am more interested in Wasteland than Halo. Uh, I don't know. Why do I do? I do a podcast with Jess. Sometimes I. Dude, I I don't I don't want to play a kiddie shooter where you shoot robots. Dude. Kitty shooter where you shoot robots. Prometheans, man. Uh, Halo's been lambs for years. Oh, it's a kitty shooter, man. You, you <sighs> know, there's no gore. It's like Doom, but, but for kids. That's Halo. You know, you're digging your own grave right now. <laughs> you're digging your own grave. I should literally just hit the stop broadcasting and I and Halo, just apologize for what you're saying. Halo's, Halo's been dead since they got rid of the flood. Straight up. Truth bomb. And people, people, people disagree. They can't handle it. But, seriously, the Prometheans killed the franchise for me. I just can't stand fighting those robots, man. I don't I, care if they digitize humans with hard light bodies and battle armor. I don't care. They are robots. They have no blood. They are lame. They are not look, fun to fight. I'll give you this. The Prometheans suck. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Thank you. Captain Thank you. Lester says Windows Central is now canceled, right? Like I'm turning my I'm turning my ad blocker back on now for Windows Central. I had it whitelisted. It's back on now. Oh dear. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do a new search. I need a new co-host for the Xbox Two. Jazz is canceled. But dude, I I just hate Prometheans, man. I just hate them so damn much. They're so boring as an enemy. Like seriously, I my brain just like compare the stupid Prometheans. To Gravemind, man. Where's Gravemind? I know he's dead. Bring him back. I don't care how. Like, even Atriox, like, in Halo Wars 2, so much cooler than the stupid Prometheans. What's his name? The Didact? The Didact. And people are saying in chat, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's because Halo 5 was so boring that I couldn't absorb the story because I was falling asleep. And yet, Jazz loves Sea of Thieves. Some things just... Hey, just yeah, what that's true. He doesn't. Zalker loves Sea of Thieves. <laughs> Zalker loves Sea of Thieves. You know, I have a better story than Halo, Halo 5. What is a better story than Halo 5? You don't, don't even say Wasteland. Wasteland. Oh, my God. Wasteland Nobody cares. Too. Nobody cares about Wasteland, Daz. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody cares. I'm you, we and I both know. What's more, important, what's more important to Microsoft in the future of Xbox uh, direction? Wasteland 3 Wasteland. or Halo freaking Infinite? Wasteland's a, a bigger game. Wasteland is a game that if tomorrow they canceled, <laughs> nobody would bat an eyelash at. No, you're wrong, man. You no, I'm, I'm 100% wrong. right. I'm 100% right. And I even saw that tweet from Brian Fargo where it said that they, they've hired a lot recently and that he was going to retire, but Microsoft Studios uh, purchasing them has got him reinvigorated. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Um, they posted an update on their FIG page because... Wasteland 3 was originally a crowdfunded game, and uh, people were freaking out, thinking they're going to go Epic Games store exclusive and stuff. And he was just like, no, we've been purchased by Microsoft, we're not going to have any store exclusivity and any of that. Going to honor all our promises to the backers and, and that sort of thing. So that was cool to see. Yeah. But seriously, though, I, like, I, I'm trolling a bit about Halo, but I really do hope they... They do something to bring some life back into that story because I absolutely hated Halo Five story. I thought it was terrible. Like, well, you're not you're not the only one that didn't like Halo story. Like, I will say, three four three has done the multiplayer right. I like 
I like yeah, the multiplayer. The multiplayer was solid, and it's like still popular even now. But like what they've been doing with the story has just been garbage. Like they've, it feels like they tried to make it more accessible to younger people or something. Like there's just no, there's no urgency in it anymore. You know, it just feels it just it just felt so sort of shallow and lame. I can't even describe how I feel about it. Because I, I think Halo 5 came out before I was even blogging. So I wasn't really playing the games with the sort of analytical mind that I do now. But I just hated it, man. I absolutely hated it. I was so disappointed with Halo 5. I can't even say it. Bring back the gore! Dark times. With the- well, I mean, hopefully they bring back the flood. But uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake Jazz was shown off at Sony's State of Play. Ah. And... Or Final Fantasy Vaporware, as I like to call it. Yeah, I mean, they showed it off at E3 2015. It disappeared for a while. Now it's back. Um, and delayed until... Yeah. Uh, 2021? Apparently 2020, like fiscal year 2020. Uh, okay. It's, and it's an episodic release still? So yeah. it's not like the whole game... Look, Final Fantasy VII. I am, I am terrified about that remake, to be honest. Like, Final Fantasy VII for me, the original Final Fantasy VII, is one of, if not, maybe my favorite game of all time. And, um, man, I am just, I'm just like, they're going to wreck it, man. It's going to be this horrible, episodic thing where you can't even fully experience what Final Fantasy VII was originally. Like, you won't be able to walk around or explore. I'm worried it's going to be in this horrible corridor game format, where it's just basically like a reimagining of what Final Fantasy VII could have been in a, in a remake, rather than it being a true remake. So I am not optimistic about that game. And, like, I have, I have arguments on Twitter about the fact that it switched to a hack-and-slash gameplay format, I hated Final Fantasy XV's combat. I thought it was awful. You know, and I, I, you know, I reviewed, I think I reviewed that game. And I went through the whole game and I just hated the combat. It was so spammy. Like the way that your teammates could, I, I know they've changed it now and they've updated the combat a bit from when it came out. But like at the time, your comrades would just run around doing their own thing and you couldn't control them or anything. It felt like, a dumb version of Dragon Age Origins, which is an old as hell game now. So I ain't optimistic about the current Final Fantasy team's ability to make a, a decent hack and slash either. I, I am no optimism whatsoever for that game. It is a bit depressing as a Final Fantasy fan, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, I love Final Fantasy 7. Absolutely love it. I played it like six times. It's, in my top five games of all time, if not my number one. Um, so yeah, there's a part of me, there's a part of me that like sees the footage and sees it updated into modern, you know, graphics and I'm like, oh my god, look at Cloud, look at Eris. And then I see people like, should we not spoil Final Fantasy VII for people? And I'm like, excuse me, the game's 20 years old at this point, what do you mean no spoilers? <laughs> like, there's, the spoiler culture is so freaking weird. Like, I'm watching Chernobyl right now on HBO. I watched the first two episodes, which, by the way, fantastic. And I see people, like, on, on social media, like, don't tell me what happens. 
What do you, what do you mean? It's a historical event. It didn't even happen that long ago. It happened back in 86. The Chernobyl nuclear <laughs> reactor melted down and thousands of people Whoa. died. And nobody can even, nobody Funny can even that. live at, in Chernobyl for the next like 20,000 years. What do you mean dude, you're spoiled? Dude, what's with all the spoilers, Ryan? Like, I don't get it. Like, Final Fantasy VII is a game that's been out for a long time. Eris dies. And, you know, like halfway through the game, like a little oh bit before God. that. Ryan's gone on a spoiler run. Like, you'll like, in a minute. Holy cow. Like, and, and now people are like, well, we need to, re-. like, no, it's, the game's old. The game's 20 years old at this point. Like, like people waited a week to spoil, uh, Endgame. Like, I, I don't know what the, the, the time limit is on spoiler, but 20 years is more than enough. If you haven't played Final Fantasy VII by now, <laughs> You know, then I don't know what to say. So I will, say, I will say that um, when I played Final Fantasy VII, I had no idea what the game was. I'd never heard of the franchise before. The reason I got Final Fantasy VII was because I think, like, my mom wanted to buy me a gift for doing well in my exams. So she asked the store clerk what to buy, and he recommended Men in Black 2 for PS1. Right, and um, I was like, like it was terrible. This this Men in Black too. I can't even remember, but I couldn't even figure out how to get out of the first area because it was so unintuitive. And I was just like, uh, thanks, mom, but I just, I just can't kind of can't play this game. So my mom took it back to the store, and the guy was like, yeah, why don't you try this game instead? Final Fantasy Seven. We've got loads of copies in. Give this a try instead, and it so lucky it just blew my mind you know mm-hmm. so uh so for me experiencing all those spoilers which i'm not going to spoil because unlike rand i am respectful of people's inability to play a game that's 20 years old but experiencing those spoiler spoilerific moments for the first time as a kid was just nothing like it and to think that square enix are going to try and cash in on that now 20 years later, you know, kind of kind of annoys me. Because I know they're not going to do a good job of it. There was always those old memes where, like, it was kind of like Square Enix and there's, like, an emergency button. Like, oh, no, we need to make some money. Quick, hit the Final Fantasy VII Panic Remake button. And it feels like they've done that now. But I really don't like the current team working on Final Fantasy. Like, I just... Final Fantasy 15 was so disappointing. And yeah. 13 was terrible too. And I know there's, there are people out there who love those games. And there are, there are aspects of them that are cool. Like, like Final Fantasy 15's characters are cool. The world is kind of cool. And, you know, the, spe- the graphics and special effects were kind of cool too. But the combat mechanics were just, just pure crap. They were terrible. The game played itself. You didn't even have to really interact with it to kill things. Like, I got to the, the Marlboro boss fight, and it's, like, this amazing, like, you know, HD, modern Marlboro design, iconic tentacle monster. And when I got to him, I basically two-shot him, because the game's combat scaling system was so poorly implemented, and it just sucked all the, you know, the drama and the epicness out of the fight, because the game was just poorly designed. So... I am not optimistic about Final Fantasy VII Remake at all. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. Mm. But I'm probably not. 
I'm just I I want to play it, but then like you said, like I don't know, Final Fantasy 15's combat, the episodic stuff. Maybe I'll just really wait until like all of them are released because who knows? It's taking them this long from announcement to actually coming out. How long is the wait going to be in between episodes? I can't see it being like a Telltale or uh, you know like Life is Strange where it's like three or four months. Maybe it'll be years. Like how how much do we get in one episode? Is it just going to be like the first macro reactor in, in yeah, episode that's what one? It, all the footage we've seen is from like Midgar in the beginning, like nothing else past that. So it's like, is the first one come out on PlayStation 4, but then the second one on PlayStation 5? So like, <laughs> it's gonna, or an Xbox One and Xbox Two, like who really knows? It's definitely... The third one comes out on PlayStation 6? Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, that's probably going to be where we stop the actual show for now, but I figure, uh, since we didn't, you know, we didn't finish, we didn't do a show last week, hit us up with some questions, uh, we'll do our best to answer them before, uh, we say goodnight to Jazz, because it's late there where he lives, but I want to thank each and every one of you for stopping by, everybody that, uh, you know, dropped some super chat for support for the channel, everybody that hit that like button, I know we had like 470 people 480 people watching. We've got 211 likes. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, hit that like button. Turn it blue before you leave if you don't really have a question. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's going to be listening to this later on uh, Google Play or uh, iTunes. I know, Jez, you've been working harder to get that up uh, like sooner rather than later uh, on the podcast feeds yes. so people can check out the show. Next week, more than likely, we will be talking about our predictions for E3 and anything else that comes along. Uh, so I, I got a video coming out tomorrow that probably deals with my predictions for E3, which I do all the time for Xbox. And it will be lengthy because I will try to go over literally everything. Uh, maybe there'll be some little nuggets of info there. Maybe there won't be. Maybe I know nothing. Maybe I know some things. I don't know. But find out. Um, uh, RD Eliminator says Gears 5 should get pushed October because Borderlands 3 will drop the same week and also Monster Hunter expansion. Try to avoid competition. That's true. Monster Hunter expansion is the 6th, the week before. Yep. I guess I'm not playing Gears then. <laughs> yeah. You, you, that is your game of the year, isn't it? Oh, yes. Monster Hunter is... I love that game so much. Um, and uh, I, for those who don't know, Monster Hunter is dropping a big expansion this year called Icebound. Or is it Iceborne? I can't remember. Icebound? I think it's Iceborne, actually. Um, it's basically the Skyrim expansion. Going to Iceland, going to be new monsters and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm hopefully going to get to preview it at E3, fingers crossed. So we'll see if that happens. But um, yeah. that that actually, like, I think they could have maybe gotten away with going up against mon- uh, one... G- <sighs> Sorry. Get tired now. Because I could have gotten away with going up against one big service-driven game, but, like, going up against Monster uh, Ice, Monster Iceborne, or Iceborne, I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's Iceborne. Um, going up, going up against that as well at the same time, which is gonna, it's gonna basically be like a whole new game. So going <laughs> up against both of them. But then again, you get like little kids who've grown up with Minecraft Pocket Edition and they're just like, they're just chill with it. So I don't know, maybe I'm just old now. Hey, do you know that, that, uh, Nintendo has a direct going on right now about Super Mario Maker 2? Yes. People are going crazy for it. Uh, Snazzy Cry wants to know, how does Chernobyl look on your 55-inch LG OLED? 
I actually didn't watch it on my OLED. Uh, I don't have the cable box isn't uh hooked up to my TV down here. It's hooked up to the 4K TV upstairs. It looks really good though. I don't have an OLED upstairs though. Uh, Chernobyl is definitely a must-watch. If you have HBO and you're disappointed with Game of Thrones this year, uh, watch Chernobyl. It's it's really really good. Um, well, well, you've already spoiled it for everyone. Though. I know. Yeah, there was the nuclear reactor exploded at Chernobyl. Lots of people die. Uh, JD Gamer, thanks for the uh, super chat. He says, "What is the one developer that acquired by Microsoft has the ability to single-handedly change the course of the console war?" Okay. Oh. Um, uh, Paradox. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer this question seriously, okay? I, I did. Screw you, man. Rockstar North. Ooh. And I, Grand Theft Auto 6. Like, if you bought Rockstar North and got the Grand Theft Auto IP along with them, and Grand Theft Auto was now exclusive to Xbox, that is something that could change the tides. Because that is the biggest video game franchise in the world. You see that Take-Two updated their... their uh, sales. Grand Theft Auto 5 is 110 million copies sold. That's a lot. Red Dead Redemption 2 is at uh, 24 million. Like, I know people will say Cyberpunk 20, you know, or, or CD Projekt Red and they're great. But I'm sorry, like, Rockstar, they're just on a completely different level than every other developer out there. Well, the thing about, as well, with Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead is that you have the, the online component, which fits well with Microsoft's whole service mission and they have teased that cyberpunk will have some sort of online aspect to it as well so it'll be interesting to see like whether because cd project red they've been on the record of basically saying we want to be the next rockstar and to be the next rockstar you basically got to make gta online now so I don't yeah know. i think it's, i think i think the only answer that's rockstar i don't think cd project red is as big I mean, other other ones like people are saying like Capcom and some of these other ones are for for it. I mean, for a games would be a good pickup for Microsoft, but they're not. They don't have the ability to single-handedly change the course of any war. Uh, and I don't even think like maybe after they left Microsoft, people thought that of Bungie. Um, but I think a lot of people's faith in Bungie has gone uh, down over the course of time. But I, I think without doubt it's by far Rockstar. I don't think anything comes any close close to it. Well, I mean could you count Ubisoft? That's a, a publisher. Single, I mean I, I, I don't a know. Single entity? Because no. hang on, because Rockstar is a publisher too. They just I'm not, a studio. True, they are a publisher, but like I'm ta- like I'm, that's why I said developer, I said Rockstar North, because they're the ones who make Grand Theft Auto. I'm saying if you got Rockstar North with the Grand Theft Auto IP, that by far is the biggest one. Mm. And like Ubisoft, yeah, that's a publisher, but that kind of goes against the question. So that's why I said what I said. Um, well, uh, DJ wants to know when's the next vid on E3 on YouTube? Probably tomorrow. Uh, Gunstar wants to know, do you see Xbox apps coming to smart TVs? Yeah, I think eventually the xCloud or whatever they're going to call it will be on smart TVs. What do you think, Jez? I will say that um, we had heard a long time ago that Xbox movies and TV was supposed to come to Android and other devices, but apparently it's not now because there's licensing payments involved that Microsoft isn't prepared to pay, which is really annoying. So I think, like, maybe we won't see movies and TV 
ever come out for those platforms because Microsoft Microsoft's kind of hoping that uh, Disney's Movies Anywhere consortium will be be that for them without them having to pay licensing fee or something, I guess. But yeah, I think we'll see Project X Cloud on other devices at least. Mm. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, NASCAR says, "Hey, heard you be on Dealer's Channel after E3 2019. Yeah, uh, I'll be on. I'll be on his show as soon as uh, the conference is over. Um, be on Dealer's show uh, right there, and then then after that show's over, we're gonna come and do uh, something on my channel. So, yeah, well, a lot of things to be talking about after the conference on uh, that Sunday." Um, Burrow, Boracho wants to know will you guys ever create a Patreon I mean I've I've thought about it but I hate asking people for money you know like uh, maybe one day like I, I I don't know it's I just I don't like asking people for things I don't know if it's the same thing with you Jez so yeah it's like, I feel the same way but you know if there's a way like create Patreon and then maybe use the funds from it to give back somehow and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll think about it because I've thought I've thought about it before and I know a lot of people have you know, successful Patreons and, and, and do a lot of good things for that stuff, but I just I don't know, maybe I'm just not built like that. Maybe I will. We'll have to see. Uh, we, could do mer- we could do merch, Rand. We could have, like, merch, like a picture of your face on a pair of underwear. No, who would buy <laughs> anything with a picture of my face on it? Like, come on. Okay. Come on. Uh, Mr. Kima said, Randy, to watch the XCloud GDC presentation. Um, I watched some of it. Did you watch any of it, Jess? Nope. Um, let's see. Uh, what else we got oh, here? I think I am. Some kind of journalist. Yeah, what kind of journalist? Uh, number one, Mag- Manga, Manga Freak wants to know, do you think the trade war with China will affect the cost of next-gen consoles? Oh, that that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, actually, yes, it probably will, because... Oh, actually, no, maybe it won't, because I tell you one thing that is exempt from uh, uh, Orange Boy's tariffs is rare earth minerals, because um, if, uh, if he put the tariffs up on rare earth minerals, that'd mean all the big tech firms would have to charge more for their processes and that sort of thing. So maybe it won't after all that. Because uh but like things like, I don't know, your favorite I don't know, plastic crap that you buy from China, maybe that'll be more expensive. But processes and stuff should be safe for now. For now. We'll see what happens. You know. Yeah. Anything can happen when uh, the uh, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it. Not even going to get into it. Just I'm just going to say, screw all politicians. They're all scum. Yeah, we don't want to get into it. Uh, Z Black Rider wants to know: Do you think the surge in CD Projekt Red stock is the market spec- speculating on a potential takeover? Ooh. I didn't see. I haven't read or seen anything about a surge in the stock, but CD Projekt Red is always. They're like the jewel. Like, come out, imagine if Sony got them or Microsoft or EA or somebody. Like, oh, man, like, because they're one of the better developers out there. So um, mm. they're always speculated, but I actually haven't heard anything about that. Have you? No, I haven't heard a damn thing. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to get a meeting with them at E3 at the moment. So right. If they do get taken over, 
I'll I'll be sure to let you know. Uh, Quattro wants to know what price range do you think do you guys think XCloud will launch at? Thoughts on how it may be bundled. So I think I think it won't be a separate subscription. Like there won't be Xbox Live Gold. There won't be and, and like Xbox Game Pass and then Xbox like 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 uh like XCloud. I think it's going to be one of those things where if you're sub to Game Pass, you have XCloud. That's what I think is going to happen because the so it'll, it'll bump up Game Pass subscriptions and then people who sub to Game Pass will have phone games to play through XCloud on their phone or any device that they play on and they'll they'll be able to have like 200 if if they don't have a catalog uh already right you know so that, that's that's kind of my thinking on that what do you think Jazz? Well, I've heard that it will be tied to Game Pass in some form, and that is partially because uh the licensing model. Like, we've we've talked before about how there was... Initially, there was an expectation that every digital game you own on Xbox will automatically be playable on xCloud. That is not going to be the case, because Microsoft can't just use um, people's content without permission. So, because it's a whole new paradigm, they have to, you know, do a new licensing deal for that sort of stuff. And if it's tied tied up to Game Pass as part of the deal to get onto Game Pass, then that sort of eliminates some of the roadblocks there and stuff. So, I've heard it will be tied to Game Pass. Now, the interesting thing to wonder is that, will it be like Netflix and be like an extra tier of Game Pass? Because, like on Netflix, you have to pay a little bit more to get the 4K resolution, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it's part of Game Pass, and then it's like, I don't know, Game Pass Pro or something to get xCloud? I don't know. But then it, then it starts getting really confusing, because you've got Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and maybe it's just part of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, thinking about it. Maybe. I mean, I think I think it's going to be tied to a subscription. I think it's going to be tied to Game Pass in particular because, uh, and you're right, maybe it's tied to Ultimate because then you have games and you'll have gold, which gives you the multiplayer option. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Indie Gamer with the Super Chatty Says Awesome Show, as always, guys, thanks for the support, bro. And, uh... Ooh, uh, actually, Rand. Gamer O'Malley says, Rand, step your Patreon game up ASAP. <laughs> um, what, what, Jess? Uh, but here's a thought, Rand. What if, because okay. Project X Cloud, that's just the code name, right? Yes. What if, what if, what if, X Cloud's product name is somehow Game Pass branded? Mm. So it's like called Xbox Game Pass Live or Xbox Game Pass Cloud or some, some, something like that. Like they tie up to Game Pass that way. Do you think that could be? So you don't you don't think XCloud will be its official name when it gets revealed? Like you think they'll call it uh, something something something. I I mean, they already have X in the name. It's XCloud. Like it's like this. Is this a situation like here's Project and Tall, and now we have Connect? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think xCloud is just the code name. But, actually, I don't know, because it's called xCloud in the game, in the files. Whereas, oh, I don't know. It's hard. What do you think, what guys in chat, what do you think of xCloud as the product name? 
Pretty cool. Nice. Martin God says uh, it is Jez. That's why it's called XCloud Stream Pass, Game Pass Stream, uh, Xbox Game Cloud. Since they already have Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Game Studios, uh, Stream Pass is the name. Uh, Xbox Game Stream, Xbox Game Cloud. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I stick to XCloud. Maybe that's not a good name for marketing. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty chill. How are you feeling overall, matey? Um, overall, I, I, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. I watched, um, watched a couple movies this week. Uh, actually tried out a beta for a game, which I'll probably talk about during the, um, uh, you know, what we played section. Uh, for the most part, I'm doing pretty good. Um, just kind of, uh, you know, preparing for next weekend. Because this time next week, I believe EA uh, kicks it off with EA Play, right? Oh, they first? I should probably check the schedule. I'm pretty sure they're on Saturday. I don't know. And then Microsoft is on Sunday morning with Bethesda uh, Sunday night. This is true. And Sony is a bit later in the week. Sony, uh, Ubisoft, um, Square Enix, Sony... And the rest of them are all on Monday. So, yeah. So, Saturday this time next week, we'll get to watch probably a 15-minute demo of Anthem. Um, And who knows what else EA is going to show. But, uh, yeah, it's it's almost that time. It's that time of the year. It's Christmas. And E3. (laughs) Uh, It's exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Even though maybe I really shouldn't be. I, I still get excited every single year to see all the big games. Regardless. Why shouldn't you be? My expectations for this year's E3 are kind of low. Hmm. I don't know, man. My expectations for third party are low. <laughs> you only care about third party. I, I mean, you know, like I, I mean, I care about third party as well. I just, I don't know. With with, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, like our wish list, but. Um, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, Crackdown 3, apparently, I don't know. Jez was in the middle of this storm about, is it delayed? Is it, is it canceled? Uh, we'll talk uh, about that. Yeah. I should just not tweet. Yeah. You, you always get yourself, like, stuck in the middle of these things, you know that? Yeah, it's not intentional, believe me. Oh, come on, Jez. You don't, you don't, you can lie to the people, but you can't lie to Rand. You love the attention. <laughs> Oh, God. Jez loves all the attention. It's part of my job, isn't it? So, I don't know. But, yeah, I just, sometimes I just forget and I tweet things and then it's everywhere, but I don't know. But, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, um, what else? Uh, PUBG versus Fortnite because, and that, not in the sense of the game versus the game and which one's better. But more in the sense of, yo, PUBG's like literally suing <laughs> Fortnite. And I know you wanted to talk about it. Yes. Uh, I love this story so much. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Jez also wanted to talk about our wish list for Xbox or just an E3 for general. Like what would, what would make the show for you and, and things like that. Uh, Jez is going to review. That's right. He's going to review the State of Decay 2 patch. Does it really <laughs> fix? Everything wrong with the Literally game. Literally everything. Literally, a 20 gigabyte patch came out for State of the K2. 
Yeah, it was a big one. And you won't believe what it did. Right. <laughs> now, that's a clickbait title right there. Yeah. You should totally... Shout out to the, the, the video title. Yeah. What, what would it be? Uh, uh, State of the K2 uh, patch. You won't believe what it fixed. Unbelievable. Capitals yeah. Megaton patch. Huge, huge news. Um, huge. And then whatever else, you know, uh, that we can think of, if you have any topics, make sure you uh, put them in um, the chat or use Super Chat or what, what, whatever way you want. Uh, we'll probably get to some of those. But uh, first up, as always, video games. We love them. We play them. Jazz is going to tell us all about Save K2 because I'm feeling that's all he's really played this week. Actually, no, he isn't. What? Very, almost all I've played this week. Um, yeah, I played a lot of State of Decay 2 this week. Um, as I played a lot of State of Decay 2 last week as well. Um, I just killed the last play cart. I've been taking it steady, exploring and stuff like that. Um, I just killed the last play cart literally about an hour before we went live. So that's fun. Um, I play cart sort of like the first part of the main sort of mission, I guess. You have to go around killing all these play cards. And then uh, when you're done, you do your legacy missions. Like, um, no, your, your leader missions and stuff like that. Though. Um, I suppose the biggest news about State of Decay this week is, like you say, the big patch. It was um, it was a complete reinstall of the game. So it was 20, over 20 gigabytes. I, I can't remember exactly. It was like 20.3 20 20 gigabytes or something. And uh, completely reinstalled the game. Um, fresh install of the game. It uh it fixes a lot of stuff, dude. A lot of stuff. Um, probably Ooh. the best thing it fixes. So, I mean, why why was it a complete reinstall? I mean, it's not it's not like the patch was twenty gigabytes. I mean, no. it was a complete reinstall of the game with some fix. So why do you think they made you redownload the entire game? Basically, I think they've um they've done some under the hood changes to the way the game sort of handles the multiplayer portion because I played with Roby last night and Roby lives on the west coast um, of America and obviously I'm in England and usually the latency between continents is completely unplayable but I played with almost no lag. I mean there's still a little bit of lag but it was playable at least. This was post-patch and I was very very pleased with the result. Also this week I've been playing on an Xbox One S instead of an X and uh wow game is pretty bad. <laughs> I actually heard it has a better frame rate on the S than it does on the X. It has a better frame rate, but it has these weird... Well, it had these weird hitching issues where if you drove too fast, the game would freeze for you, but it would keep on going. So, like, you could get killed or drive off a cliff or something while it was hitching and stuff like that. And it got pretty bad. And if you, uh, if you drove for a long time, the whole game could crash. But it seems they've fixed that now on the S, which is um, nice for S owners. So it fixes some of the like most annoying systemic issues with the engine. Oh, and also the the lighting issues in multiplayer because uh, the the torches weren't working in multiplayer. Oh, and grenade throwing wa- wasn't working properly either. Sometimes like you could throw a grenade and it bounced off the back of your head and just land at your feet and blow yourself up. So they fixed that too. So they've fixed some of the most annoying issues. There's still there's still a lot of room for improvement. Like the game still has 
you know, bugs and stuff like that to do with the, the base building. Like, I had a bug right now where one of my NPCs kept falling through the floor and and stuff like that, passing issues. And, you know, some of, some of those other sort of bugs are still there, but it's a really, really nice step in the right direction. And, uh, now, do you, do you think... Do you think review scores would have been higher if this w- would have been the way the game launched to begin with instead of releasing a patch a week later or two weeks later? Uh, I don't know, man. A lot of the, Some of the reviews were really harsh about the bugs, but others just didn't really get the gameplay, like, you know, the, the fact that it's like a, you know, almost a strategy game on top of an action game. Like, some people were trying to play it like it was an action game and sort of didn't really get into the simulation, which is where all the depth is and where the addictive gameplay is, in my opinion, at least. So I don't know if it would have changed the review scores. It's it's a weird game. There's, there's nothing that you can really compare it directly to. It's got, like, strategy elements, simulation elements, RPG elements, action RPG, combat in, in ways, and I don't know. I just, like, some of the some of the stuff that was complained about in some reviews I saw from big sites, was actually fit, fixed before the game went live, but they still didn't update their reviews to reflect that. So I think this just wasn't a big, of much interest to most game reviews. So not that I'm calling out anyone's professionalism or well, lack thereof. But. Um, someone just commented in chat. Uh, I missed, did I miss it? Uh, no, where is it? Um, well, someone someone wanted to know, do you think this other reviewers should go back and re-review the game now because it's supposed... Oh, yeah. Uh, Omnio Jakum says, Jez, do you think it deserves the review scores to be reappraised? Uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's on Microsoft at the end of the day. I mean, this is the this is the game they were selling to people. This is the game that they gave to reviewers at the end of the day. So it's on Microsoft, really, for not delaying it a month or something to get these last finishing touches on it and um you know i don't think i mean it's unlikely that anyone's going to go and reappraise their their scores anyway because it's e3 this week nothing nothing like that's going to get done and but the good news is that despite the review scores it seems to be getting pretty good engagement anyway yeah i mean microsoft put out a press release and i did a video about it was um they had a million players in See, this is where the press release gets tricky. They say they have uh, the million players in two days, but it was really six days. Uh, two days from the global launch. Yeah. So when it came out on Tuesday, <laughs> but the game launched on a Friday. Uh, see, everything every, with PR, especially Xbox PR, you got to read through the bullshit. It's tricksy. It's tricksy. They say two days. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, two days, game came out on Friday with the Ultimate Edition. That means Saturday, Sunday, a million players. Ah, uh, that's where they get you. you got to read the fine print. And the fine print said the global launch release two days after that, which is the Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday. So it had a million players in six days, which is pretty good. And then they said it broke record. It broke a record. But in the PR, there was no mention of what record it broke. And I remember asking you, I'm like, Jez, uh, what, re- what, what, what do they do? And you were like, ah, oh, this is confusing. All it did was it broke, um, it broke a milestone, being a million players, but it also did more in six days than State of Decay 1, which is good because State of Decay 1 went on to be a, like a five million seller. Um, 
So is this, I mean, what is the significance of this? Is this just people wanting State of Decay 2? Is this Game Pass, uh, you know, with the low price and the game being in their day one, kind of helping out the game quite a bit? Uh, it's a combination, isn't it? Like, State of Decay has a, has a surprisingly passionate fan base from the first game. Um, they um, had a very active community before State of Decay 1 even launched. It sort of predates that Kickstarter thing, and and yeah, it wasn't obviously it wasn't on Kickstarter, but the, Jeff Strain had a following from his World of Warcraft days, and he sort of he sort of built a community around State of Decay before the game even launched, and um you know there was hype for the game, and you know they were like they were pretty upfront about it back then, and they were like I mean I remember all this because I, I was I followed State of Decay in the same sort of way as a World of Warcraft fan and a fan of Jeff Strand's work and stuff like that. And um, I sort of, they, they were up front. They were like, this is like a proof of concept and our and our long, our more long-term roadmap is to move towards this sort of, like, uh, multiplayer game with much bigger scope, you know, and State of the K1s are proof of concept, blah, blah, blah. So, like, um, I was on board, and a lot of other people were on board too, and they're still on board, you know, and they've, they've still got that, commu- that sense of community and all that sort of stuff. And um, they brought that into State of Decay 2, so that helped it a bit. Also, it's a multiplayer game, so people will be like, oh, come and play this with me, come and play with my friends, blah, blah, blah. And people convincing their friends to play it, which is always a compelling purchase reason. Also, the price point helped, and also Game Pass helped, so it's going to be a combination of things. Now, the real, the, the real interesting thing about this is whether it will translate into a sequel. Because, like, Microsoft mm-hmm. are, like, talking about... Is this is this real? Is this success that Microsoft talking about? Is that real success, or is that nice sort of PR statement success? You know, we're never going to see the balance sheet. We're never going to see the money, and we're never going to know if this game will get a sequel until you know um, it pans out a bit more and we see like how the updates handle things and what the DLC brings. Because there is supposed to be some kind of new mode in the works for the DLC. And uh be interesting to see exactly what that new mode is. Um, but them's them's the facts, man. It's uh it's uh, interesting to think about what the future of this game looks like and ultimately we don't know. We don't know. That that is true, ultimately we don't know. Um Yeah, so I mean it seems like it's doing well for itself. Uh it's I think it's going well, all things considered. Yeah. I just wish the game launched uh, with a lot of the... Like, the patch that just went out would have been there day one instead of coming out weeks later. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, it's a shame that that had to happen. But, hey, uh, it's fixed for people that are currently playing it, supposedly. Uh, Jez, what would, you, what would you give a rating on this patch out of a, out of a 10? Or a five-star system, because that's what you use at... Uh, Central. Would you rate this patch a four out of five stars? I give it a three point five zombie brains out of five. All right. Uh, anything else you've been playing? I've been playing Frostpunk. I won't talk about this very much because it's it's a it's been out for a while now. But are you aware of this game, Frostpunk? Yeah, I mean I've heard about it. Uh, when it got announced or when it just showed up on Windows Ten and PC, people were like, "What?" Yeah, I was really surprised by that. I've actually been playing it on Windows 10 um, instead of... I, <laughs> this is the thing. I was waiting for a Steam sale. 
And um, and uh, then it hit Windows 10, and I was just like, eh, I'll just get on there then, because it's got achievements. <laughs> so I'm um, I'm just one of them kind of people. But um, yeah, it's really good. So basically, what you do in Frostpunk is it's it's got that sort of survival layer that State of Decay has, where you are in an apocalypse, you're trying to build a base, trying to survive, and you're battling the environment and the elements basically, and uh, it's all the the real attraction of this game is that it's got really great graphics and really great artwork. So like it's all steampunk and mechanical and the like. Obviously because it's all it's set in a sort of uh, ice age apocalypse where there's snow everywhere. Like the snow has physics when all the units are moving through the snow. Like in uh, a Rise of the Tomb Raider, you know, at the start of that game. So um, it, it looks really great. The UI is really nice and all that sort of stuff. So. And uh, it's addictive, you know, you build build your base, you got, you know, keep your people happy, keep them fed and, and get resources. It's more like a classic sort of uh, overhead real-time strategy game rather than uh, uh, State of Decay, which is sort of strategy mixed with um, action RPG sort of combat. So, yeah, man, I love survival games. Can you tell? I, I can definitely, definitely tell you do, and I don't really care for them. <laughs> you know, I never really have, so... Um. That's fine, it's different strokes, you know. I mean, Long Dark was my favorite game on Xbox for the longest time. The, do you get it? Long, longest? I didn't even... I, I remember you used to talk about that game all the time. I love Long Dark, man. I had yeah. some of my most, like, amazing experiences on Xbox in that game just from the randomness that happens. Like, bear walking at you out of the snow and stuff like that. I just love that stuff, man. And State of Decay has elements of that, too, where, like, it's pitch black in the darkness, and, you know, and then suddenly you see, like, a zombie with glowing red eyes in the window, and it's all procedural and random, chaotic, and I like that. I like that in games, so... The roguelike type stuff, I don't know. Yeah, so Gunstar75 has a question for you, and he says, Jez... No hungering deep? No, I haven't touched the hunger. <laughs> you, but but Jazz, Sea Thieves was supposed to be this year's PUBG, bro. Oh my god! Hey, first of all, there's still time, okay? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. The way PUBG's going, Sea Thieves might be bigger than PUBG by the end of the year. Oh man, we'll have to get into that in a minute. But so if 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 Sea Thieves is bigger than PUBG at the end of the year because PUBG kills itself in a lawsuit, that counts. That counts. And I, I was right. Okay. okay. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, <laughs> I see I see a lot of people talking very positively about their experience with the Hungering Deep, with uh, the Megalodon, the quest to fight that beast that I, actually has a full, complete body to it this time. I've got a confession. You I was that? so convinced it was a giant crab. You were convinced it... Even though, like, all the hints during the trailers and everything, like, kind of... I, th- I thought they were doing a bait-and-switch, right? And it was going to be a typical rare thing where it's like, oh, it's obviously a giant shark, blah, blah, blah. But then it'd be a giant crab. Because uh, they had the crab cave paintings, and there was a little crab walking around at the start of the trailer. I was like, yeah, I see what they're doing there. But I totally overthought it. <laughs> and it was a Megalodon. I am planning to play it on Monday um, on a stream, so... Um, hopefully I'll get to check it out then. But nah, I've just been addicted to State of Decay, man. The problem with CFEs, Rand, is that I think to really enjoy that game, you need to have a, a group of four. And I just, it's really hard to get four people 
together to play that game when everyone's so busy, everyone's doing different things all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I mean, part of me even wanted, I, like myself, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, ch- check out the content and see if these, right? Mm-hmm. But even still, it was like I need three other people, and none of my like all oh my like all my friends want nothing to do with Sea of Thieves. Like I remember playing it with Gopher, and Gopher two hours in, he's like, Gopher literally just like ran. I'm like, yeah, he's like, fuck this game, and he turned it off, uninstalled it. <laughs> like you know, so it's like nobody, none of, nobody in my circle wants to play Sea of Thieves. So it's like, oh okay, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, but it is out. I mean, people in mind don't want to play it either, you know. So, I mean, this is what Sea of Thieves needed, you know. They, they Rare has what four teams working on content drops uh, for the yeah, show. Yeah, that or, was the that was the most interesting thing because I in, I interviewed them last week for for Longer Deep and they were like, yeah, we we setting up a fourth team for content. So like the the team that made Hunger and Deep now they'll go on and work on the next piece of content that's coming out in a few months time and. The, you know, and the the idea is that the more teams they've got working on the content, the longer the lead time they have, the bigger the updates will be, and therefore eventually, see if Thieves might be fully <laughs> but um and deliver on the you know the potential that everyone sees in the game, but no one really, you know, it no one can really claim that it has that depth outside of you know the social interaction stuff. But if you don't, if you don't find cosmetics compelling to, as as part of the gameplay rewards, which I don't. And if you don't find solo play fun in, like, this dangerous multiplayer world, which I don't, it's still not a great deal of stuff to do. You know, I I don't care about the cosmetics. I mean, so you sometimes I do care about cosmetics, but they don't even look that good in CFCs, in my opinion. So, you know, I just haven't found a compelling reason to play again. Right. But... I'm still hopeful that they'll deliver on the, the potential there, because obviously there's pretty big potential, but we'll have to wait and see. I would rather see State Decay grow in with four content teams, to be honest. That would be interesting. Shout out to Mighty Ryan for the super chat. We appreciate it. Thanks for the support. He wants to know, is, do you think the Switch will outsell the Xbox One this year, and if it does... What do you think Microsoft can take away from that? Now, what do you? Right, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that two ways. Will it sell more than the Xbox One this year? Like, if you're just taking 2018, yes, of course, it will sell more than the Xbox One. Now, I think you're talking about the overall sales. Like, will the total sales of Switch eclipse the total sales of Xbox One? Uh, I don't think it will this year. I think it will next year. Um, I think they got a little bit. What Switch at now? 18 million, I think, almost almost 19. I want to say. I think that could do it with with Christmas. Uh, for, I swear, if Fortnite drops on Switch, which it will, which it will, and um, and then the Pokemon's, and then and then you got Christmas, Fortnite, Switch plus Christmas equals millions of sales. I don't think. I guess like the real the real question is, will Nintendo be able to meet demand? And that's the question. They are, I think they are predicting or at least shooting for 20 million uh, switches this fiscal year, which is a lot. Um, they do have the Pokemons and they do have Smash Bros. Um, coming, uh, this holiday. They also are launching their online system. I, I, I think it'll be close. I just think they'll fall short and they'll just pass them easily next year. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, but then again, we won't ever know. 
because Microsoft never gives updates on sales info, and I can't imagine Nintendo coming out and saying we patched Microsoft. It'll just be people, like, you know what I mean? Like, Switch hits 40 million. People are like, I already know how this happens, because people don't know how much Microsoft sold. It's anywhere between 25 million and 40 million, right? Uh, and once once Switch hits 30 million, you're already going to see people saying it outsold Xbox, just because nobody knows what it is. Um, so, uh, but what can Microsoft take away from it? Mm, I mean, the truth is, Microsoft already knows that, you know, mobile is important. But um, at the same time, it's like, I'm not sure if they truly care or understand how important that's going to be. And also, Microsoft already has a contingency in, pl- in place here. Microsoft believes, believes in cloud streaming. So, so sure, in Microsoft's mind, if Nintendo sells tons and tons of Switches, Microsoft is just going to cut a deal with Nintendo and say, let us, let us stream Xbox games to the Switch. I think that's what Microsoft's really banking on here. Um, they don't need... I mean, Microsoft could easily make a Switch competitor. They could easily do that. Because they've got they've got the deals with the processing com- the processor companies, you know Nvidia and AMD and, and all all those companies and they they would jump at the chance to be funded by Microsoft to make an, a Surface Switch type device, you know they would easily do that. They could do that. They could blink and it'd happen, but they're not going to do it because there's more money to be made in just putting a subscription service on Nintendo Switch instead. So I think that's um, Microsoft doesn't have a takeaway for this because they've already envisioned this scenario um, and they've already got a plan for it, and that is cloud streaming. That's what I think. Right. Um, I, the only thing I would take away from it is that uh, is that exclusives maybe matter more than they think they do because the Switch has been riding high on very popular exclusive titles like Zelda and Mario and things like that. And clearly people want them and they're buying the system to get those experiences. And now you also have the third parties starting to get on board a little bit. Uh, Fortnite's going to be, Fortnite's going to be absolutely massive on the Switch. It's going to sell, it's going to sell Switches. Yeah. Um, it already sells Xboxes and Playstations. It's going to sell Switches. Uh, so takeaway is that I think if you create compelling, great uh, quality exclusives, uh, people will, people will, uh, you buy, buy the system to play those exclusives on. I mean, we already kind of see that with Sony, with God of War and how well that has done. Five million copies in a month. Um, you know, the third biggest game to reach, like, uh, possibly the fastest game to reach a billion views on YouTube. Uh, you know, Sony having the best sales month since, like, the Wii U in 2009. Uh, you know, all those factors into the sense that God of War was a very desired game by a lot of people on that platform, and people wanted to play it, so they bought the system. So that's the takeaway for me. But also, I think I think largely the success of the Wii is, or the Wii, the the Switch is because of the mobility, the portable aspect of it. It's a different uh, beast, you know. It is. It's a completely different beast. You can play it anywhere, you know, and you can just sort of. You can play it while doing other things as well. You can, like, have a Netflix show on your TV and then just have your Switch in your lap playing that free-to-play Pokemon game and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a bit of a different beast. And 
And the thing with yeah. Fortnite, the thing with Fortnite is that it's free to play and it has cross playing, cross progression on like everything. So like you could just download the game on the Switch and you have the, you know, your cross purchases and your cross play. You're going to have a user base to play against and your purchases if you play it on Xbox or Play. People are going to be like, you know what? Uh, I feel like taking, I feel like playing, uh, you know, the, the Fortnite on, uh, uh, while taking a shit. And they'll just go, they'll load up the Switch and they'll have all their characters there and they're go, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll leave or somebody's watching TV and they can do it there. And fuck, Fortnite's about to blow up again. Yep. So, yeah, thanks for the question. Thanks for the uh, super chat. Really appreciate it. Now, um, God, I'm finally getting to what I played this week. Man, <laughs> um, I actually played uh, the the Crew 2 beta. Jazz, did you play this last year at E3 at all? Nope. It's a racing game, man. It is. It is. Uh, and it's actually pretty good. I'm surprised. I wasn't really a fan of the Crew 1, but the way the cars handle on this, so arcadey, and I am down for arcadey racers, uh, has a really interesting concept of being able to transform into a car, a boat, or a uh, plane when you're free roaming at a drop of a dime. And it's literally the United, United States map. Like, the, the the whole map is the United States, and it takes apparently an hour to drive from one end of the map to the other end of the map. That's how big it is. And then, of course, when you actually do the races, it's like you're, you're stuck with one kind of car or one type of boat or whatever. But I was really impressed by, you know, what I played and uh I can't wait to play it. Uh comes out at the end of the month. And um what else did I play? Oh yeah, Detroit Become Human. Hey, I've heard I've heard good things about that game. Like even from people who don't usually like David Cage. Yeah. It's 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 awesome. It's it's amazing. I love it. And I can't recommend it enough. Now of course you kinda have to be into those style of games, the what do we call those style of games, Jazz? The interactive movie experiences? <laughs> Is that what they're called? I don't know what they're called, technically. I mean, they're like the Telltale games. And don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. I wouldn't do that. Uh, they're like the Telltale, the Telltale, whatever genre the Telltale games and the Life is Strange games is in, that's what Detroit and um, that stuff. It's, it's a game where uh, there's quick time events. Uh, where there's dialogue choices, but on a timer, there's moral choices you have to make, but of course you're timed. Uh, you could lose characters, uh, people could hate you. Man, it is so well done. Um, such a great game. It looks amazing on the PS4. Uh, I'm playing it on the Pro. Uh, and the, I don't, the story is just, just was, I was just hooked, man. Like I played it Friday night for like four hours. And, yeah, in the beginning, you'll be, like, you know, vacuuming the floor and washing the dishes and, and things like that. Uh, but it kind of <laughs> serves... It's adventure games, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but... Like Walking Dead and... and uh, yeah, someone's calling right now. To some degree. Somebody's calling right now to tell me to stop talking about PlayStation games. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're, 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 I know. I, I do have people that will, like, message me and be like, Rand... Stop talking about PlayStation. You're not a PlayStation gamer. Uh, you're an Xbox gamer. Why are you talking about PlayStation games, Rand? Talent to go and do one. It, games are games. Doesn't matter. I don't know. They like make one guy even suggested I make a second channel strictly about PlayStation because he doesn't want to see any PlayStation on my original channel. I'm just like, what kind of shit is that? I'll do what I want. It's my channel. This isn't called Randall Thor 19 Xbox. 
or whatever, or like Ram's Xbox channel. Um, but yeah, back to Detroit. Uh, I thought it was an amazing experience, about 10 hours long. I went back and actually replayed stuff trying to get a, 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 a you know, <laughs> now so here, here's somebody calling out. He said, Ram, the show's called the Xbox 2. And, and yes, it is. But in this segment, we are talking about games we played regardless of the platform we played it on. And, uh, that's just how it is, but everything else is kind of always related to Xbox. Um, so, yeah, I, I greatly, highly recommend uh, Detroit if you have a PlayStation and if you are in, if you enjoy those type of experiences. Because even, because I can, I can see people playing it and not really being down with uh, the interactive, because it's not, it's it, it's like loosely a game, you know what I mean? Like very loose. The, the gameplay I w- isn't what I would call the best because you just kind of like walk around, you interact with the right stick, um, you know, the quick time events and stuff like that. So it's like, eh, it's very loosely a game, but what's, what's there is pretty damn awesome in my opinion. So, alright, with that said, what else did I play? Oh, PUBG, but we're, we're gonna get into PUBG versus Fortnite now. Jez, um, I don't know if you saw, but PUBG's lost half of its audience since January. <gasps> and I wonder why. Hmm. And they also put out. Uh, they're also suing. They're taking. They're taking Epic Games to court in South Korea, and they're trying to protect their copyright, which I'm assuming is a copyright on the mode. See, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know really anything about law, cause I, you know, but I, I especially don't know anything about South Korean law. Um, but this isn't, I don't think this is a good look. Regardless if they have, if they have a right to do it and they're trying to protect, uh, the game or whatever they're trying to protect, it looks like to most people viewing it from the outside, which is all of us and everybody in chat, right? It looks like they're just salty and upset that Fortnite copied them really fast and became bigger, much bigger than PUBG ever ever was. Yeah. And they see their declining player base, and they like it. Just seems it, it seems to everybody else that they're just they're just sore losers in this regard. Um. So what what do you think about that? I think it's there's just no there's no way that can possibly sort of come away looking like the good guys here. I don't, I don't know. It's um I think they're crazy for doing it. I don't know if they thought like oh we're doing it in Korea. This won't get back to the U.S. or something. <laughs> it hasn't really worked out as they wanted. I mean, I haven't seen a single person say. Yeah, PUBG, go for it, get them, and stuff like that. I haven't seen anyone supportive, saying supportive things. Um, have you? <laughs> no, I have not, I, no. Because, I mean, the market, the market's decided. The market decided that Fortnite is, you know, the standard bear. Not that it's a better game, uh, just that it's, so much more accessible. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Fortnite, like... It's a different Minecraft. game. I don't... It's well, I wouldn't different. say it's a different game. It's, it, 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 there's a lot of things that copied. You know, like the, the, the plane flying overhead. 
some of the weapons are basically carbon copies. Uh, you know, the blue, like, circle encroaching in. Uh, even some of the UI looks very similar and listed from PUBG. I mean, and it's just the the problem here is I think I, I think it's because they're such an indie dev because they are you know they were and I I honestly felt they had time like they thought that they could come out on Xbox and put out a game right and then maybe build the game and put it out on PlayStation and they still would be first in this battle royale craze and they never accounted for for Epic. Because Epic then, literally in two months, turned their game into a Battle Royale clone, went free-to-play, and then went on every console. Went on Xbox, went on PlayStation, on PC, now on mobiles, going to be on Switch. And it just kind of killed the momentum that PUBG had. It just killed the momentum of that game. It's still incredibly popular, don't get me wrong. It's like the most played game on Steam, second or third most played game in the world. But while Fortnite is rising... PUBG's declining, mm. and, I, and I can't help but like see this like lawsuit and think they're trying to get some money out of uh, out of this. Like maybe they made poor decisions. Maybe going with Microsoft was the wrong choice and locking out the PlayStation for for a year, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the maybe it was a great choice. Maybe they you know like I, I don't know, but it just seems like a situation where. For someone who had an idea first, which they really didn't, because like it's just a copy of even H1Z1, uh, you know, it's a copy of a copy. They get one up by somebody else who did, you know, that idea better, and now they're upset and they're whining and they're stamping their feet on the ground and and trying to have the course decide it, right? Mm. It's uh, and I mean, there's another aspect to this. I don't really, I'm not really familiar with Korean law. Like, if if this is the done thing there or something. Because, you know, I think it's it's significant to point out that this isn't supposed to be aimed at um, any other market. It's it's just the Korean market where they've, they're trying, trying this out. So, I mean, sure, it could impact other, other versions of the game or something, but I don't know. I think that's an important point to make. Like... They're, are they abusing some kind of loop, legal loophole here to bring to uh, to make this litigation happen? Clearly, either they've got a completely moronic legal team, or they've got some sort of compelling evidence here. You, you don't just sue someone if you don't think you can you're going to lose. If you if you think you're going to lose, because it's going to be really expensive. To lo- it's really expensive to lose a call battle. The least it is in the West. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we need, it, need a lawyer. We need a lawyer to, to explain it to us. Yeah, we do. We we need somebody who's like does. Is it something to do with how South Korean laws? You know, uh, something there. I I don't know. I mean, I know they're based in Korea. Like Bluehole is a Korean company. Maybe that has something to do with it. I I, I don't know. But it 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 just seems to me as a as an onlooker, as someone watching on the sidelines, that man like, and considering. Everything about what we know is that when 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 Fortnite debuted the mode, the first thing that happened was PUBG and Brendan Green and these guys basically saying that's bullshit. You can't copy our game, like right from the get go. 
You yeah. remember? Because we remember, I'm like, man, PUBG just gave Fortnite the biggest PR because they started talking about Fortnite and saying how it wasn't fair. Yeah. Right? So from day one, they've been upset. Now, was it upset because they feel Epic had some sort of advantage because PUBG licenses Unreal Engine 4 from them? And that PUBG was doing all the legwork to try to get, like, a 100 players and a huge server and did all that stuff, and then Epic took what they built and made it that You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some sort of, uh, you know, there's a business relationship there between the two companies. One provides the engine and support, and one's, like, the per, you know the person using the engine. Did, did Epic do something they weren't supposed to? Or, or some, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I, it's It's an interesting... Uh, battle, and I I, I kind of wonder if they even have a chance. Um, if, if it's literally a, a court case of, hey, look, we both have a helic, we both have a plane that drops people in, we both have a blue wall that comes in, we both have weapons that look like that. Is that like what they're really arguing about? How they, they got ripped off, or is it something deeper? Like, hey, we licensed this engine from them, we did all this stuff. And then they took that and then used it for their own game when they're not supposed to. You know what I mean? Like, are, is, is that yeah. something that could be true? I don't know. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's all right for us to sit here and, well, for me to sit here and say that's stupid or for people to say it's stupid for them to try and sue them. But it's like you say, maybe there is some seriously messed up thing that they've done here that um, that they actually have evidence for that they... They do have grounds to get some sort of compensation for, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch, especially when the details start coming out. So that's a story to watch, I think, because <laughs> I, don't, I mean I don't know how all this dev licensing stuff works on this engine license, but couldn't couldn't Epic just literally pull the engine out from underneath them and just kill the game? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It would be interesting to see the contract. I wonder if it's contracted for a certain amount of time. Uh, is that Could that be a case where they're like, no, you don't have the right to use our engine anymore. Stop selling the game. You're in breach of contract, you, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's probably stipulations in the contract or whatever that would probably prevent that. And that would also, if that happened, that would be a bad look for, for Epic. Yeah. That, you know, their competitor you know, someone that they license an engine to, that's not a good look for other people trying to use Unreal Engine 4, is that, you know, Epic Games could essentially pull the use of the engine and then you lose your game. Uh, so that's something they probably wouldn't even bother considering. And why would they? Because Fortnite's the biggest game in the world. They're not They're not worried about PUBG. PUBG's worried about them, you know? So, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think it's only, I think Fortnite's only going to get more popular. And I think PUBG is just going to decline, um, especially with, you know, Call of Duty coming out with the Battle Royale mode, with maybe Red Dead coming out with the Battle Royale mode. How with, not even with, even with Battlefield 5 coming out with not necessarily a Battle Royale mode, but just new multiplayer. Uh, you know, like, I, I think PUBG had its moment in the sun. It kind of ushered in this popular mode, and now other games will kind of take the mantle and run with it. You know, I, I, it's I think it's interesting because, like, I mean, what you just said reminded me of World of Warcraft again. Because I remember when World of Warcraft came out, and everyone used to say this about World of Warcraft, like, oh, everyone's going to rip them off now. And every couple of years, it was like, oh, this is the WoW killer, this is the WoW killer, this is the WoW killer. Nothing ever really came close 
<laughs> for even approaching WoW's numbers ever. And like the the one game that almost did Final Fantasy fourteen Rom Reborn, then Blizzard sort of turned around and released Legion, which put the numbers back to almost to where they were during the game's height. So it's um it's just funny, you know. I mean, so, sometimes like games innovate and then everyone copies them and then it just sort of it becomes like a standard. But then there are, there are other games that just sort of they have, they just remain the standard for that that genre. It'd be interesting to see if anything ever beats Fortnite and what for what it did. I mean, at the time, God, could you, did you did you ever envision? PUBG, with all the accolades you got last year. And all I know, right? Do you remember last year when it was like people were like, it was up for the game of the year, and people were like, no, no. Everybody was talking about <laughs> PUBG as it was like this huge phenomenon, which it was. But here we are, six months in, to, in 2018, and nobody really talks about it anymore. It's all about Fortnite. And remember, Fortnite was looked at with, kind of like laugh like people laughed at Fortnite. People laughed at the fact that they copied PUBG. And here we are. It flipped. It's amazing how stuff like this happens uh in the industry. Like PUBG's not held up as as high anymore. You know, half the player base is left. Um Fortnite's about to come out on the Switch and probably even have more users. But this is the thing, you know, it's like everyone's saying PUBG I mean I see this on the twi- on Twitter, like when whenever PUBG tweets something People are like, oh, stop tweeting, PUBG's dead. And it's like, well, it's still the most played game on Steam. It's kind of not dead. And, and you, you know, you've got all these other games like CSGO, which are still absolutely huge. You never really see anyone in the Twitter community talking about CSGO. But it's no. still an absolutely massive game. You know, so, like, some of these games are sort of, you know, they have all the hype, all their press. The press moves on. The fair weather fans move on, and then they just have this sort of sustainable core which keeps the franchise alive, you know. Like, and even games that haven't had a, a new game in ages, like Halo, you know, there's still like super passionate Halo fans who they talk about Halo all day, every day on Twitter, and Halo subreddit's still very active and stuff like that. So, PUBG's slipped out of the limelight, but in, in our sort of world of, you know, social, where social media seems to be like some kind of you know, standard bearer for for anything. Like, if people aren't talking about it, if it's not trending, hashtag trending, then it, it must be dead. Well, that's not the reality of things. PUBG is still a very, very huge game. It's still making a lot of money. And hopefully this competition with Fortnite will sort of light a fire under them and hopefully we'll get some polish out of that thing because it's still, still rough, you know. It's, it's a meme how rough it is, you know. Well, yeah, shout out to the Osmond for the uh, Super Chat. He says, I'll never play PUBG again. Great show, guys. Thanks thanks for the comment. Thanks for the support. And, I mean, you're right. Like, just I'm just going back and thinking six months ago, like, where everybody, where PUBG was the talk of the town, and here we are six months later, and Fortnite's a cultural phenomenon. Like, sports, like, celebrities talk about it. Drake played it with Ninja. Uh, a pitcher for, I think the Indians, like, went on the DL because he plays Fortnite so much or whatever. Like, celebrities play, it, it, it's, it's, it's taken to the stratosphere that PUBG never experienced. And, and here we are, like, talking about the fact that PUBG is losing half of its audience, which is still the most on Steam, 
like PUBG is about to go die out, but it's such an interesting like microcosm, or it's an interesting look at a phenomenon. We have like court court road courtside seats to it, you know. Like I remember Minecraft. It was like Minecraft came out and people were like, "What's this?" And then suddenly Minecraft's like the biggest thing on the planet. But yeah, um, let's see what else. And then, and then there's the whole Xbox thing, man. Like, I don't know if you've been, like, keeping abreast about, like, the console version of PUBG, but, you know, they just put Mirror Mirror on, Mirror Mar on Xbox. And honestly, I don't know, like, the preview, like, the, I know it's in preview, but, like, they're so, like, they get things right, then they get things wrong, they screw stuff up. The game crashes, like, every two games now, right? Uh, really? While, while, the, while it runs better, it still can run, like, crap in the beginning of the game. Oh yeah, dude! Like constantly, like three. You play three games in a row, you're gonna crash. Uh, there's there's new bugs that weren't in this build that are own that like are like new to this version. It's I just sit there and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, how could you not get this right? And it's funny because when I was doing my E3 hopes and dreams video. Uh, I, I had, I had like a funny joke I was going to say, but maybe I'll save it later for the podcast, but I'm still just kind of sitting there and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, blue hole, get your shit together. You know, like stop with these lawsuits and I don't know, maybe work on, work on fixing not only the PC version of the game, but the Xbox version of the game, you know, anyways. Um, let's move on and talk about, uh, let's talk about Crackdown. And, uh, while we're, while we're waiting here, while we got everybody here and 370 people, we only have 76 likes. It's kind of, it's kind of low, you know? Why don't you do me and Jez a favor and smash that like button? Smash it. It's free. Helps out the show. Like, helps out the channel, uh, tremendously. And that's the one time I'm gonna ask before the end of the show. So please, if you're enjoying it, Hit that like button. Anyways. All right, Jez, you were in the middle of a controversy yet again, as you always seem to be. Uh, Crackdown. Now, <laughs> I'll set it up. You knock it down. Here we go. Amazon Spain canceled pre-orders for Crackdown 3. And people went with the narrative, like, oh, my God, it's canceled. They finally did it. Those monsters. And Jez was out there reporting, intrepid sideline reporter that he is, being like, hold on, dudes, hold on, dudes, one second, let me bring up my contacts at Xbox PR, and get on, let me get on the Jez phone, you know, that green phone that Jez has. Um, green, green phone. The green phone, the Jez oh, phone. Man. Calls up, he calls up PR, PR tells Jez it's not canceled. Uh, Actually, no. PR, PR were like, I'll investigate. But then Aaron Greenberg tweeted me. Um, in the middle of me waiting for PR. But, yeah, I mean, I, talk, I talked to, you know, people I know at Xbox, and they were like, no, it isn't cancelled. Someone said, if it's cancelled, it's really strange, because I'm playing a dev build right now. <laughs> yeah. he, he just doesn't know it's cancelled. They're going to yeah. tell him later that day, like, what are you doing? Stop, yeah. stop working on that game. Yeah. So um, it's uh, it's it's funny. Yeah. But um, it's so funny, man. People were like, "Oh, look, look how fast Jez was to damage control that." Oh, like, I like, saw. Dude, it's kind of my job to 
write about facts that are factual, you know. So, um, oh god. But anyway, yeah. I, I I just I just asked the question. Like, what does this mean? Is this is this bad news? Is someone is Amazon jumping the gun? What's going on? And I was just like, oh, I don't know. Um, Aaron Greenberg spoke to Amazon, and they were like, oh, it's a glitch. So, um, but other people were like, sometimes Amazon kind of uh, they cancel pre-orders for when things are delayed um, in, indefinitely or something. Some someone said, I don't know. Indefinitely. But, yeah, like when there's no fixed um, fixed release date. So, but, you know, we don't know ultimately. I think like. Pretty much the first question I'm going to ask if I get to speak to anyone at E3 is give us a status update on Crackdown, like like a definitive one. They don't talk about it in the presser. That's going to be like... People are going to be really confused. I don't know. So, I mean... Okay. So... What do we think here? What are we thinking? Are we thinking... Because... I put out a prediction that it was delayed, right? Or at least that I thought I think it's going to be delayed. Um, but I'm not. I don't know. Like anything can happen. I, like even even my prediction is just a prediction. I don't have any. I'm, I don't have any inside information, right? Um, do you still think it, it's possible the game comes out this year, whether it's July or November? Because while they did, while they were quick to come out and put down the talk about it being canceled, they also never meant. They also never talked about or, or addressed the rumor that it was delayed. Because that, because both those things were going on at the same time. So while Aaron was quick to dis, to dismiss it being canceled, he didn't say a damn word about uh, it being delayed to next year. Um. So what do you? If you had to put the odds on it, Jez, the odds of it releasing this year, what what is it? I, I would say odds are that it doesn't release this year, frankly. I mean, either it's delayed into the jewels of Red Dead Redemption, or it's, which is bad, or it's just delayed into 2013. And 2013? We're going back in time. Holy yeah, we're going back in time. 2019. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's coming out this year. I think like Microsoft wants it to be up there, you know, with the, with their core franchises. And, since Sumo is not the biggest dev in the world, they're going to need more time than maybe another studio. I you say that, but they're also working on the other game that was leaked, that's Team Sonic Racing, that Walmart leaked, and then they officially kind of came out and said, yeah. So, I mean, they're working on two games, at least. I thought their studio was, like, 500 people. Or they um, have multiple studios. Um, maybe they do. They've got multiple studios, don't they? I don't know. But uh, I just I just don't know, man. I've heard all sorts of things about that game, and I just don't know what to believe anymore. So I've just sort of taken a sit back, wait and see approach. I mean, I've heard that it's going well. I've heard that it's going bad. I don't know what to believe. So. Well, we we won't have long to find out because th- we'll find out for sure on the tenth. If it's not at the show, twenty nineteen. If it's at the show. And there's a trailer. They obviously have a date behind it. It could, I mean, it could literally be, here's Crackdown 3, beta starts now, game releases next month. As kind of a, like, the whole two month game for Game Pass. You know, you have Sea of Thieves in March, you had State of Decay in May, 
maybe Crackdown 3 is July, then you're going to have Forza in September, then maybe a Gears game or something in November, and then something in January. You know, rinse, repeat. Uh, it kind of fits nicely into that. But I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, they've been so quiet about this game. Uh, and I, I, I don't know either, man. Like, a part of me thinks, like, next week, Part of, me, part of me thinks next week Microsoft is going to put out a press release and be like, Crackdown won't be at E3, and here's the reasons why. You know? And it'll just be like, we're giving the game a bit more time, more budget. You can expect it in 2019, blah, blah, blah. But then a part of me is just like, it's going to show up at E3, and it's going to have a trailer uh, showcase in the multiplayer, and it's going to be like, play the multiplayer now, and you can play the beta. You know? Um, yeah, it could go either way. I mean, ultimately, who knows, you know? Yeah, and uh, what's what wants us? Want, he wants me to answer this question. He's like, Rand, can you speak to Aaron Greenberg's comment, comment that Xbox isn't holding anything back to C3? Is that simply PR talk, or is it like we will see a roadmap talk? Um, that is PR talk. Yeah. Because when when they said something like that, right? Um. When they say Xbox isn't holding anything back this E3, it also implies that they were holding stuff back for previous E3s. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, we're not holding back this time. It's like, so you were holding back previous times then? Um, his job is to get excitement, uh, to build uh, people's – to get people pumped, right? That's That's what Aaron does. That's his job. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, cause, cause I guess he couldn't answer, but what if his comment was more like, it is what it is, you know? Like, what if he just said, we'll be there and we'll do our best? I, I don't know. I wouldn't read too much into PR pieces, and that's exactly what I think that is. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's any reason to have a huge amount of hype for Xbox C3 this year. I could be completely wrong. I don't really know anything about what they're going to announce. Nothing concrete. But I think they've done a pretty good job of not letting anything leak this year. Like last year where I pretty much had everything about Scorpio before it was announced. Yeah. This year, I've got nothing. It's not, you know, maybe it's, maybe they don't have anything. Maybe there's not nothing leaked because they don't got nothing. Well, that's... that's there's nothing the, to leak if you don't have anything. That's, that's always the, you know, that's always a possibility as well. Yeah, I've seen people say that. But uh, shout out to Mr. Kill Jr. for the super chat. Appreciate it. Shout out to D Blob uh, for the super chat. He says he doesn't like the secrecy with Crackdown Three delayed. Sure, uh, surely. Um, I just don't know, man. And Jez doesn't know. It's a game that's been in limbo. They talked about it at E3 last year. Showed it. Showed it off. Gave a release date, and then just went dark. We haven't heard about it since. All that's been talked about is Phil saying that the team is working well on it and they have a date and all this stuff, but rumors abound about about it not you know not being an E3. So I don't know, or not not coming out this year. Um, and honestly, um, I don't want another game from Microsoft that is just mediocre or just okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I want a great game. Or at least, at the very least, a really good game. You know what I mean? Like, really good, great, you know, uh, masterpiece level stuff. Because I look like a 10 out of 10s like, masterpiece. Like, 9's, like, fantastic. 8 is really good. 7 is 
you know, eight's like great, seven's like a really good, six is okay, five is average, you know, that type of, that's kind of how I look at my review scale, is those what I would give it, anything less than five is a below average game. Yeah. And I just want Crackdown to just be at that, like, eight, nine level, where it's like, really good or great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree, man. I just, Crackdown is the third game in the se- in the series. It can't be mediocre. It just can't. And um, hopefully they'll actually blow all the stops and make it, you know, at least like Gears Four level. Um, Gears Four sort of, you know, that sort of level of quality. Like even if like you're not into that sort of game, it should at least be that sort of level of quality. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. But if you did know, would you tell us? Uh, depends if I was under NDA or not. Where you are you under NDA on right now? Uh, I can't tell you. Oh, come on with this. You can. Oh. It's just, is this a conversation between me and you? Nobody else is, is, is watching. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else is here. To be fair, I haven't even got that much under NDA. To be fair, so, mm. um, I, I'm pretty much I know as much as anyone else at the mo- at the moment. I got a hell of a lot of rumors, unsubstantiated rumors. You want to talk about them rumors? We've talked about them before, loads of times. Well, yeah, but what, what about okay? What about this rumor? Gears of War Battle Royale. <laughs> I tweeted about that like a, a few months ago. So if Microsoft does do that, they stole my idea. And I'm going to sue them, and I'm going to use the same lawyer that PUBG's using. What about, what about that? Because right? Polygons came out, and they said, yo, there's three Gears of War games Microsoft's announcing at this E3. Uh, three? Uh, yeah, three. Not just one game, that. not just two games, but three games. One of them being Gears of War 5, which... It looks more and more like a certainty considering all the games that have had, you know, been proven true from the uh, Walmart Canada leak, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a Gears of War spinoff game, they said that was like Halo Wars, uh, which, you know, there's been rumors for a long time that of a Gears spinoff game that's kind of like XCOM, Halo Wars, or, you know, something along those lines. And then they also said a Battle Royale title. Now, immediately I think... Man, could Gears of War even work in Battle Royale? Like, the maps aren't incredibly tiny in Gears of War. The weapons aren't exactly what I would call long-range engagement. Like, yeah, you do have, like, a sniper rifle, but... They would have to very drastically change. Yeah, like, no vehicles. You'd have to change a lot. But then I'm thinking, hmm, maybe... I don't know. I don't know, Jez. I mean, (laughs) I... I kind of want it to be true just to see what a Gears Battle Royale game would be. But at the same time, it's like, this has got to be... I mean, you remember Polygon? They were the ones who were like, Microsoft is buying not only EA and not only PUBG, but they're also buying Valve. You remember? They're buying Google and Amazon. Yeah. Like, they're buying everything. So there, there, there's, there's like credibility to rumors and stuff, and then they're just <laughs> making shit up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Are they, are they, is this one of those things where they literally heard from somebody that potentially there's a Gears of War Battle Royale game? Or is this, like, them just fucking shitting out ideas and just being like, that one smells good. It'll bring in the clicks. 
Let's well, look like Gears of War Battle Royale title. I'm sure it's just a case of Polygon heard Microsoft would like to buy those companies, and they just sort of decided, oh, that means they will buy those companies. I mean, I'm sure Microsoft would love to buy EA and have a favorable deal for EA, one that, like, you know, was really cheap and didn't cost them much money, because EA would totally fit their business model, and they could just flip, they could merge EA Access and Game Pass, and it'd be hunky-dory, you know? But at the same time, Microsoft doesn't have that kind of cash. Well, it does, but Xbox does not have that kind of cash. And um, I, it's just ridiculous. Can you imagine? If it's true. I, I, we've, we've been here before, Rand. It's not true. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was true? No, no, it's not true. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? But you always <laughs> said, you, you know, it's, got, it's a game that's got chainsaws. You love it. You, Dude, you, I, I think, like, I mean, they could totally do it. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't do it. I mean, it's the engine supports that. They've got the cloud infrastructure to do it and all that sort of stuff. They'd have to change the way Gears feels. They'd have to make it a little bit more fast-paced and all that sort of stuff. But there's no reason they couldn't do it. And it would probably sell. So who the hell knows, man? All I know is I want my Gears of War XCOM game. That's what I want. I'm probably the only person who actually does want that, but I want it. So, I mean, why do you want it? Because I like XCOM, and I like Gears, and I like XCOM Gears. I just just like the idea of it. Mm. Call me crazy. You're crazy, Jez. You're absolutely insane. Have you played XCOM? Yeah, I played XCOM. It's fun. Why don't you want XCOM Gears, then? I mean, I, it'd be awesome. I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where I'm not like in love with XCOM, and I'm not even really in love with like something like like an RTS. And it's one of those things where it's like, do people really? I don't know. Like, I don't really want an XCOM Gears of War, even if it was true. Like, I would rather have a different type of, of genre. I'm not saying that it couldn't be great because it could be great, but then I also look at the rumored developer and I'm like, eh, splash damage? I don't really have a lot of faith in them to make an outstanding game, you know what I mean? That's like one of the problems I have with Microsoft overall, right? Is their reliance on these mediocre developers to create new IP for them, instead of using the talent they have at their first party. And the talent they have at their first party is basically locked to a desk making Halo Gears and Forza. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, ReCore. ReCore, in, in the hands of maybe a different developer or a better developer, is probably a really good title. But nobody had heard of Armature Studios, right? And maybe some of it has to do with the budget. Undead Lab seems like a, a, a nice develop, developmental studio, but maybe they could have done more with more money. Who knows? But it's like Sumo? Sumo Digital to make Crackdown 3? Like, like, what? Who? Is that really a good decision? Like, Splash Damage? Like, uh, Splash Damage made Gears, uh, Judgment, right? Uh, no, Gears Judgment, Gears Judgment was made by People Can Fly. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I'm just saying, like, what's Splash Damage made? Brink 2. Oh, um, they you know they've mostly been contract devs and stuff. A- after Bring Two failed, they really haven't 
they really haven't done much. That's what I'm saying. Like, the choice of the studio matters a lot because, you know, it's, it's about the the personnel there. And there are reasons why, like, these studios are independent or maybe not, not thought of very high, highly. And, I mean, I know Splash Damage worked on the multiplayer for Gears 4, but it was under direct, you know, it was under, like, direct uh, control or observation from the Coalition. I mean, I just... Couldn't, couldn't this one be under direct observation, too? I mean, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, like, but if it's not a Gears game and it's an XCOM game and just a Gears clone, I mean, how much, you know, direct control does do they really have there if they're... I don't even, I'm just saying, I would be, I would be like much more interested if it was the coalition making something like that rather than a, a studio out, out there, uh, you know, who, who in my opinion, keep in mind, doesn't really have the best track record, you know? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I see with, with Microsoft and some of their choices of some of the developers. Maybe it comes down to budget. Maybe it's like, we want this game, we don't want to spend a lot. We'll send, you know, splash damage is cheap, sumo's cheap. You know what I'm saying? But um, it, go, it goes back to what we were saying about Game Pass, wasn't it? That it's like these sort of quote unquote buggy, mediocre experiences can find success because of Game Pass. What impetus does Microsoft really have to make big AAA games anymore? Um, well, well, Predator H2O, shout out to you, buddy. Thanks for the uh, super chat. He goes, he goes to say, do you think Microsoft is afraid to put money behind these studios because how they were milked by Limehead and Platinum? Um, mm. What do you think, Jez? Because I, I think I think the Scalebound cancellation and the Fable Legend stuff combined with the directive to not invest in games really, you know, like, I think that had an effect. I think State of Decay 2 was supposed to be a bigger game, but I think when the budget cuts came down, it clearly got affected. Um, Possibly. I, I don't know. I don't think they're afraid to put the money behind it. I think they just weren't able to at that time. Like, I think right now, like, if, if Microsoft had... And if Phil was in the position he is now, I don't think Scalebound gets canceled. If, if Game Pass existed when those games came, like Fable Legends and 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 and, and Scalebound were around, and, and and you know the beginning of 2017, I don't think these games get canceled. What do you think, Jez? If like the situation we're in right now and they're in right now, if that was, if would would we still see those games being canceled? It's hard to say. I mean, I heard something interesting recently that um, a developer who was looking to uh, ship... Uh, they were looking for a publisher at GDC, and a Microsoft's publishing team basically said to them, we're not looking for more second-party deals right now because we're still undergoing restructuring. So, I... It's, it's interesting. There, there is still... There's still things shifting at Microsoft. I mean, I don't know if you saw yesterday... But kudos, Sonoda's team got completely disbanded yesterday. Oh, yeah, Laura, Laura Lollipop, who's a HoloLens uh, a game and app executive, um, worked at Microsoft for 11 years. She got fired. So, like, Microsoft are seriously, you know, nobody's safe right now. They're, they're, they're 
pivoting, you know, they're moving slowly. And we in the in the in the Microsoft blogosphere, they always talk about how like getting Microsoft to turn around in, as as this sort of huge lumbering beast that it is. It can often be really hard because of how how many people, how many teams there are, and stuff like that. Microsoft is like downsizing a lot to try and uh, make them a bit more nimble in a world where Chrome sort of exploded out of nowhere and destroyed Internet Explorer and Microsoft Edge. Discord exploded out of nowhere and destroyed Skype because, um, you know, and it was because, like, Microsoft is slow to react because of how big the company is. And um, all these all these smaller companies are, are far more nimble. They're able to just sort of, you know, work on making great features where Microsoft has to go through these all these processes to make things compatible with the rest of their cloud and all these other systems and, you know, get approval from all these sort of weird management hierarchies and stuff like that. So it really does feel like Microsoft's trying to streamline everything right now. And um, I, that's, why, that's why I've written before that I feel like we're going to see the real fruits of this reorg next year rather than this year because two years. Uh, you think two years? Mm-hmm. I think two years. Well, I think we'll start to see a more definitive roadmap next year. I don't think we're going to see... Oh, I agree. I, I, okay, yeah, we, I agree. Won't, we won't get the fruits. We'll see the fruits yes. next year. And I, I we'll get the, the fruits, fruits another one. Yeah, I mean, like, who, like here's the thing. Uh, well, let me just address the super chat really first. Gamer M, we appreciate the support. He says, please explain Greenberg's tweet about Cacton 3 cancellation of the delay is what everyone is asking about in spring 2018 and soon, so that's the delay by default. Uh, Greenberg's job is to put everything in a positive light for Xbox. Uh, tweeting out a Crackdown 3 cancellation wouldn't, or at least answering that, it wouldn't put it in a right, because he'd be lying, especially if it was getting delayed. And they probably want to give us the information in a way that they can control. Uh, but yeah, I mean, spring, they did say spring, and spring ends on June 21st. So unless the game comes out by, by then, yeah, they've got, it's got a delay, but, um, like, the whole, like, kudos team getting all, like, kind of moved around or fired and Laura Lollipop leaving and things like that. Like, you know, then you said that was because of the HoloLens and the, the what else, like, the VR or, or mixed reality thing? Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the mixed reality teams and well, HoloLens after I mean, seems to be gone now. There's no future in that. There was no future in that. I could have told you this was, like, n- nobody really even cares about VR right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like... HoloLens was never going to do anything, and I think my, I think Microsoft finally realized that and was just like, cut you know, cut cut our losses on it. I mean, yeah, they're, they're still Alex Kipman's still there, so I don't know. But, and Laura was wasn't even working on wasn't even working on games. She was working on business apps for HoloLens. She made um she made an app called Layout where you could sort of um you could uh, plan your factory floor by using virtual reality. So, like, you have, like, you wear the HoloLens, and you can, you can place, like, virtual machines, uh, like, literally machines, not virtual machines like servers, like, literal machines as holograms on, on, on your floor plan and sort of work out where you want to keep everything and stuff. And uh, that was a business app. So you think that would be, like, the perfect kind of app for HoloLens, but um, apparently... No good for Microsoft, so it's uh, it's a shame because uh, she's she seemed really cool. So I don't know, man. I, I, these days, 
I, back in the Windows 8 days, man, I, I really felt like I understood what Microsoft were doing, and I understood the, what their plan was. Everything seemed to make sense, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, they, they seem to change strategy now. Every few months, it feels like. And um, I don't have a clue what they're... Beyond the, obvious, beyond the obvious stuff, like cloud streaming for games and stuff like that, I don't know what the long-term play is here. I don't know. And it's, um, it's annoying. I don't like not knowing. Rand, can you get a job at Microsoft and then leak me everything? Well, I mean, the long-term plan, I mean, the long-term plan is clearly Xbox or what they would refer to Xbox everywhere. I mean, they've been pretty, like, upfront about that. Phil's talked about that. You know, the creation of the cloud gaming division with the goal of reaching 2 billion people. I mean, it's it's there. What's important is 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 that that focus and and you know games like Miami Street, which is a joke by the way, or saying that it's important, but this kind of signals Microsoft reemergence into the mobile market potentially. Yeah. Uh, because that's where, like, look, I think Microsoft's plan is like literally, you're a gamer. Where do you game? If it's on mobile, we're going to try to get you, and we're going to try to be there. Is it on console? We're going to try to get you, too, and we're going to be there. Are you on PC? Well, we have a plan to get you there. They they don't – I think it's like they don't care where you're at. They they just want to reach you. Yes. Um, whether it's through their own, like, titles, uh, you know, like on Xbox with, like, Sea of Thieves and put all that stuff in Game Pass, whether it's maybe new experiences they're building – for mobile and PC and things like that. Like, their goal is that. And I think they've been pretty upfront about it. I just don't think people want to, like, I just don't think people, like, are, they don't want to see it. You know, they don't want to see Xbox, like, be everywhere because there's that tribe mentality of, like, I can only get it here. and we're, I'm part of a group. You know, like, uh I don't know. I mean, the whole like Miami Street, Jazz. Like, what what the fuck is Miami Street? Why does it even exist? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it only makes sense. It only makes sense as if like, well, they're trying to reach a different audience that you know, like somewhere else, in in line with their. Um, I don't think they're even trying to reach gamers with that. I think I am convinced Miami Street is, is purely to show the game to devs and and be like, look, this is what you'll be able to do with our cloud. This is what you'll be able to do with Windows Core OS, which is the next version of Windows, um, which supports folding devices and stuff. And we had rumors last week that it's not only Microsoft working on folding tablets, but also Dell and possibly HP and a bunch of other companies as well. So this is Miami Street is the first hint of a wider re-entry into the mobile market. And did you notice... You probably didn't notice, but Google removed the tablet section from their Android website recently because Android tablets are just like nobody wants them. So, like, um, Microsoft obviously sees some kind of opportunity where that can be like, well, we'll have we'll have devices that can be tablets, phones, and mini game consoles at the same time, you know, and hopefully that's where they'll position that's where Dell and all those OEMs will position those sort of pocket PCs, because that's what they are, basically. They're going to be pocket PCs powered by ARM processors, which they're no slouch in the graphics department these days. You know, you can get pretty good graphics on mobile games nowadays. And Fortnite runs on them. 
and stuff like that. So, but that doesn't really matter for Xbox. And I think, like you say, a lot of people worry that with all this focus on elsewhere, the sort of traditional Xbox is a console thing sort of gets lost. Yeah. The identity, yeah. It's like the whole the whole idea of Xbox becoming a service, which is what it's going to become. It's going to become Xbox as a service. And it's like, it's like Tencent, you know. We talk about Tencent on this podcast sometimes because they're a massive, massive, massive company. You never really hear about them. They're bigger than EA, but you never really hear about them. They power some of the world's biggest games, like League of Legends and, and you know, all these mobile games in China and stuff. And uh, they've got a big stake in Fortnite. They just bought a, a controlling share in Path of Exile, the Path of Exile developer and all that sort of stuff. Microsoft wants to be more like them. They want to be, but it's kind of like, where does that leave Xbox? Well, Xbox fading, fade out into the background like Tencent as a brand has faded out into the background, or Microsoft just be like this service that powers these experiences. You know, it's, um, there's a huge opportunity for Microsoft there to make Xbox, you know, much, much bigger than what it can be as just a console. But at the same time, it's also kind of a shame if that's like they're sort of leaving behind the identity that, you know, I grew up with and you grew up with and a lot of other gamers grew up with. I think that's, um, you know, I just hope they bring everyone, bring the rest of us along for the ride, I guess. That's the way I see it. Well, I hope, I, I hope that they, I mean, I, I know they realize this and they, like, I just hope they reinvest, uh, into quality exclusives to put in the Game Pass. Cause I, I think Game Pass is extremely important to Microsoft and, uh, like to get to get people on other platforms, like to even be interested in your stuff, you you need an experience that is number one, like only available there. Number two, that is good. So like for yeah. all this work, you got to have things people covet. People like people covet God of War. People covet Last of Us. People covet um, Legend of Zelda. And to only get those experiences, you have to buy into the platform. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not really sure people covet Sea of Thieves or State of the King, even if they are okay games. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, Microsoft needs to create the title uh, that people on other platforms and people everywhere, like, really look at and are like, this is something, like, I, I want this. I need this. Well, that's, that's, that's the big hope here, is that Microsoft hopefully will realize that in, in order to have a compelling cloud, they need to have compelling services that are exclusive, like Tencent and, and all that stuff. They Those games aren't, aren't platform exclusive, but they're part of Tencent's portfolio and stuff like that. If Microsoft wants people to subscribe to their service, then they'll need you know, to have exclusive, exclusive um, games that are compelling to, and exclusive to that service. But Right now, like you say, they don't have that. But hopefully, this will make it more clear than anything else in Microsoft's history. Exclusives are going to be critical to this sort of ambition. So, um, it you know remains to be seen. Do they buy up other studios? Do they buy up other 
games and, and other franchises that are already existent and stuff, kind of like what Tencent does, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, it's kind of like, well, they didn't manage to buy PUBG, which you would have thought would have been the obvious thing to get. But, yeah. I don't know. I want to ask you a question, Jez, because I was asked this uh, the other day on a different podcast. Does, uh, like all the leaks, the Walmart Canada stuff, leaking all those games, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey getting leaked through a keychain and all that stuff, uh, do, do leaks impact your enjoyment of E3 in any way? No. It's part of my job. I haven't really experienced the true E3 for a long time now. Like, I know, I, I got things under embargo, which is kind of a post, like a leak to me, and stuff like that. I, I just, um, no. I mean, back in the day, even then, not really. There's, there's always going to be loads of surprises and stuff like in. And also, like, maybe, like, if a game leaks, like, you know, if we get, like, a, if we get, like, a Gears of War XCOM keychain, I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that now, and then I'll look forward to seeing what the real thing looks like. Yeah. Um, right. I don't know. I, mean, like, do you feel? I know some people get really upset about that. Well, yeah, like some of my friends get really upset, like really upset. So I always got to make sure, like, I don't really talk about that stuff. Um, I like for me, it's a, it's a, it, 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 I liken it to. Um, the journey, it's, it's the journey, not the destination, right? Um, whereas, like, just knowing that a title, like, knowing, say, Cyberpunk 2077 is, is gonna be there doesn't, like, ma- like, matter. Like, okay, I know it's there. What matters is the trailer. What matters is the gameplay. And that's not going to leak. And sure, okay, if that did leak, then yeah, that would ruin some enjoyment of it. Of seeing, like, a trailer beforehand, yes. But, but then you don't have to watch it. Well, yeah, well, that is true. That's your own choice. But some people see the information as a detriment. Like, if I went to my buddies and I'm like, this is going to be there, this is going to be there, this is going to be there, and this is going to be there, they're going to be uh, greatly upset because the just knowing what's, what's there, you know, like, ruins it for them. Whereas knowing what's there doesn't ruin it for me because what I'm interested in seeing is what's not going to be leaked, and that's, like, what the game is. And, and uh, you know, like I, I mentioned this before, like, it's like the snake killed Dumbledore thing. I I was spoiled on that before I read that Harry Potter book, right? That snake killed Dumbledore. And I didn't really, even though it's spoiler, even though people, like, hate that, it was always, I didn't really consider that much to be a spoiler, and it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the book because you don't know the context behind the situation. You don't know why it happens. You don't know the scene and how it's set up. You don't know how it plays out. All you know is the finality, the destination. Snape kills Dumbledore. But you don't know oh, the journey. Spoilers. I'm just saying, you don't know the journey. You don't know spoilers. the why, the when, the how, like all that yeah. stuff. And it, if that was spoiled for me, sure, then, you know, then I would be upset. But that's what that's what I mean by the difference between the destination and the journey. Um, so, the, I don't know. Like, big, huge surprises, they are, like, they have their own value. Like, like, say for example, if if I was like living in the eighties and someone had spoiled Empire Strikes Back for me, you know, I would have been absolutely livid. I would never have spoken to that person again, ever in my life, because 
that's super mean. Because that, the plot twist in Empire Strikes Back is, it's, you know, it's iconic. It's like the ultimate spoiler. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, for that one, sure. But, I don't know, I've just, I, maybe it's just my... really just on a big deal. I mean, can you, can you think back to your most epic E3 surprise that really made you like, oh, thank God. What was it? I mean, when people said that, the first thing comes to my mind was watching, and I forget what year it was. Uh, it was Don Matrick was on stage, and he was about to close the show, and somebody walked up behind him and tapped him on the shoulder. And it was like the president of Square Enix. And he rolled a trailer for Final Fantasy XIII. Um, and I remember at the time, well, okay, but at the time, back then, Final Fantasy XIII was one of the most hyped games out there, right? It was, it was exclusive to PlayStation 3 at the time. And I was a gigantic Final Fantasy fan. And it was also something that didn't leak, per se. And I remember sitting there, like, dumbstruck, awestruck. I'm like, holy fucking shit. And, I mean, regardless of how Final Fantasy XIII actually turned out, which was okay, it wasn't great or anything, like, mm-hmm. that moment always, like, it's the one I always think back on, of being this surprise. Uh, and, and then the reaction later on, like, PS3 fans threw a hissy fit, right? Because it was the <laughs> one game that they always could put over Xbox fans. Like, well, it doesn't really matter that you have Gears of War and this stuff. We have Final fucking Fantasy, right? And then to see, like, those people melt down and <laughs> break because of that was added on to, like, the the moment for me. <laughs> wow, you're mean. I'm just saying, like, th- that was the last time, like, I I was probably truly surprised. And, and it's because I was anticipating it. Like, it was a game that I wanted to play. It was a game that I was literally going to get a PlayStation 4. And then all of a sudden I didn't have to get a PlayStation. My favorite franchise was on the Xbox. It was something that never was, nobody ever said it could happen. And then it did happen. And I can't think of one since. Like, even if you would say, what's the best announcement Microsoft had this entire gen? That was my next question. A lot of people would say backwards compatibility for the Xbox. And I still, and I I rewatched the other day that that conference, the 2015 conference, and the amount of applause and people, you know, screaming at that announcement was greater than any other game that Microsoft has showed off this entire generation. Yeah. And... While I, while originally I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I didn't, re- I don't really care about backwards compatibility. So like to me, it's just like, while it was a nice wow moment for a lot of people, like I have no interest in it. So you know what I mean? And I, okay, what about you? What is the biggest announcement, Mike? Like the one surprise then? What, what do you, what would you think it is? Or for you? Honestly, for me, it was um, and this, again, it's the first thing that comes to mind. It was when the Killer Instinct music kicked in. Okay. And, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I was I was I was watching E3 with a friend, and this is before I was a blogger. I think this was actually the last E3 that I watched as a just you know regular regular fan and not not press or anything. 
but I was watching it with my friend, and we were, like, screaming <laughs> on Skype. Like, oh, my God, it's kind of interesting, because, you know, nostalgia and, you know, just that music and everything, it was perfectly done. And uh, I had no expectation for that game to be announced at all. I don't know if it was leaked or anything like that, but I wasn't really paying attention to any leaks or, or game news or anything like that back then. So I was just out of my mind excited for that. And uh, I haven't really felt that way since, I guess, like you. I really liked backwards compatibility as well, but it's, it, at the same time it was kind of like, um, you know, it's not as big as a surprise game announcement. Which I don't think Microsoft really, really had. You know, a lot of the games they announced are just kind of like, huh, I'm sure that would be good. I'm interested in that game. But it's never like, oh my god, hype mode engaged, you know, like, like I felt with Killer Instinct. But again, that's like a very, very subjective thing because I know not everyone's a huge fan of Killer Instinct. No, but, um, but I, uh, no, I, I remember watching the Killer Instinct thing and being like, huh, they're bringing Killer Instinct back. That's kind of cool. And even last year, when, I, when I'm thinking of uh, the stuff they showed last year, the one that really maybe got the biggest reaction out of me was when they showed Metro Exodus. Yeah. Which is a third-party game, but at the time, like, I didn't think it was going to be there. Like, nobody had mentioned Metro Exodus being there, and then it was. It was showcased really early on, and it looked freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, granted, maybe it wasn't a true gameplay trailer in the sense, like, the new Battlefield Five trailer that came out clearly is, like, a fake gameplay thing. But just, like, seeing Metro on screen again and being like, oh, this was kind of a surprise, you know? Um, that's, like, I don't know. What, what, what's your favorite one from last year, then? Because, I mean, Ori, like, Ori 2 probably would have been for, like, it, but, like, I, I kind of, like, knew the game was coming. Uh, otherwise, you know what I mean? Like, because it was kind of, it, it kind of leaked out there before. Uh yeah. You know, I'll be completely honest. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, I was there, right? But that was the that was the Xbox One X. I I don't know, man. Nothing really. I mean, I I expected Ori. I knew it was going to be good, so no surprise there. I don't know, man. I suppose State of Decay Two seemed more that, but. Even then, like, I had the BCD, and then I was disappointed. Because <laughs> it just looked like, oh, no, they're doing another double A game. So I even wrote about that last year. So I don't know. I mean, I was excited for... Um, uh, I was excited for Xbox One X. But, again, there was nothing really up there like Killer Instinct was for me. And I'm not expecting there to be anything up there like Killer Instinct this year, either. But who knows, man? I mean, Microsoft have the, this capability to just completely surprise you, you know? And the things that might excite me might not necessarily excite someone else and vice versa. Like, for example, if they demonstrate cloud streaming to a mobile device, I will absolutely love that. But I know most gamers won't give it down. But for me, that's that's really exciting technology. I like I like the technology stuff. I like a lot of the platform stuff they do. So I'm really intrigued to see what Kareem's team's been up to. And uh that's I've got more interest in the cloud stuff than the games this year, I think. I don't know, man. I don't really think gamers really care about the cloud streaming stuff. So like no, they don't. I know it's a casual market with that. 
Well, yeah, but even but the casual market's not going to be watching E3. So, like, even though I know the cloud stuff's important and they probably want to show it off, I don't think E3 is the best moment to show that off on the press stage because the, the audience watching it's not going to care, and the, the audience that does care doesn't watch it. Unless it would be strictly for developers. Like, here's this, like... Well, you have to that. remember, E3 is a... Tra- well, it's evolved into more of a fan thing. Yeah, but, I mean, there's, there's it's supposed there. to be a trade show. There there are people, there are investors watching that, too. True, true. That's but at the same time, there's, better, a better, there's a better showcase to show off that tech. It's like DICE or GDC. But technically, GDC... Uh, to show off something like that. So, you know what I mean? Like, that that's why, like, even though it's nah, probably going to happen. If like, they, want, they want that to have a big, big, they want that to make a splash. They want consumers to be aware of it and all that sort of stuff. I think, like, they they have to show it off at E3. Even less people watch, consumers aren't watching DDC. And, and anyway, the, the idea is that, you know, it'll be seamless because, like, Theoretically, they'll be able to get the Xbox One controller Bluetooth stack onto uh, the different mobile platforms and stuff like that, and they'll just work. You know, the devs won't have to make touch controls or anything like that. You know, and the little birdie has told me that there might be you know special controllers for uh, docking your mobile phone or playing Xbox games on your phone. I've heard maybe possibly. Geez, that that'll go over well. I don't know if they're going to show that at E3. I just heard it's being made, possibly. Doc Wiz 2 says, Jeff doesn't know anything. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, again, this is what I've heard. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I mean, if you want concrete stuff, don't listen to this show, because, you know. Don't even listen to the show. Yeah. You know? Even if you if you want good opinions, don't listen to this show. <laughs> Why does anybody listen to this show? Yeah, I, I don't know. Why, why, why are you here if you if you don't want to hear rumors? You know, I'm not, not making this shit up. Yeah, I'm well, not craving. And you're not Marcus Sellers. No, I'm not craving enough making stuff up. Um, I don't get. I, I mean, I do this podcast for fun. I have, there's no benefit for me in, in this whatsoever, and there's no reason for me to make anything up. So I just saying what I've heard, man. Don't like it. Don't listen. I don't care. That's right. Um. Well, you want to uh, you want to take some questions? Sure, man. Sure. Uh, hit us up with your questions, and we will do our best to answer them. Uh. And uh, we will try to answer it. Um. Face wants to know, Randy Jazz, with Fortnite and H1Z1 on PS4, should PUBG stay on Xbox? Is it too late to release on PlayStation 4? Um, no, it should should release on PlayStation. There's, yeah. there, 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 I mean, there's there's going to be people there that would buy PUBG. Regard, maybe it's not a, as big as a, a market as they once thought with H1Z1 and, and, and Fortnite being on there and Call of Duty on there, but there's still an audience there that would buy the game. Unless, like, PUBG felt they could get a better deal from Microsoft to stay exclusive than they would make up in lost sales on the PlayStation, right? Hmm. Um, if they felt like, you know, Microsoft offered them a check to stay exclusive and that check was worth more than, you know, estimated sales they got on PlayStation, then maybe they 
they stay. But I'm not even sure Microsoft would even want that anymore. That kind of would seem like wasted money because I think PUBG's done uh, just about enough for them as it ever will. And, in fact, we've all noticed it because we play it every day. The uh, wait times to get in matches have, dr- have dramatically increased. It used to be instantaneous, and now you usually look at a good 40 seconds before you get into a game, before it matches you. And I don't, I don't know if that has something to do with with the map, like with, with Miramar being added, which I, I, I can't imagine it does, but I think I think the player base not only on PC is dwindling, but I think the player base on Xbox is, is, is dwindling as well. I'm not saying you can't find a game, because you can and it's within, like, 30 seconds or so, 45 to 30 seconds. But there is a stark contrast uh, from before, months ago, where it was like you search and you're immediately in a game, and now you search and you're usually waiting 30 seconds or so. So, um, yeah. What do you think, Jez? Yeah, I'm like you, man. I think they'll they'll easily find a market on PlayStation, but, again, it's it's kind of like we don't know what the the, the deal is in real terms with um what the de- what the deal is in real terms with um what what the deal looks like with Xbox. What does that deal look like? We don't know. And um so I mean there there probably will come a time where it depending on how long that exclusivity period is, there probably will be a time where it's just completely not worth it anymore. But this isn't like the old days. Port in between the consoles isn't as convoluted as it used to be. And um, it gets easier as well over time. So, um, in theory, there's nothing really stopping it from hitting it PlayStation eventually. I think it will. I think it will come to PlayStation eventually. Yeah. Uh, Eternal Shaddai hit hit us up with the super chat. Appreciate it. He says, "Random Jazz, do you think by any chance that we will see a cheaper version of Hololens sync with Xbox One X and be compatible with all the games 4K 60 frames?" No. Uh, no. no. I don't think Collins, <laughs> I don't think Collins ever comes out. Especially, I don't. I, I think Collins is just kind of a. It won't come out for gaming market if it comes out at all. Yeah, I don't think consumers will ever get their hands on Hololens. I think it's like. I mean, I don't know at the end of the day, but I think I think the the big barrier to VR is wearing something on your face. I mean, even if they shrunk that thing down to just regular glasses, it doesn't do anything particularly better than the laptop does anyway. It's just a kind of cool experience, but then it's kind of... Once you've experienced it once... And I've had a HoloLens. I've owned one. Well, you know, I I loaned one from our company um, for a little while. And um, I, I had it for months. And I used it, like, a couple of times. And it was like, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. And it was like... Oh, I don't really like wearing something on my head. I'm never going to use this again. And it's like the same thing with my, um, because I've got a Windows Mixed Reality headset as well. I played a bunch of Steam VR games. I was like, yeah, Steam VR is cool. I played uh, Arizona Sunshine, I believe it's called, and I played Super Hot VR, which was really, really cool. But I never finished it. And like when I think about playing it, it's kind of like, man, I just don't want to wear something on my face. I just mm. don't like it. I got all these games on my 4K TV. Why would I bother wearing something on my face? It's a big ask, and it's a subtle, it's a subtle thing, you know. I think you have to really, really like VR to to want it, and I, I think the masses don't give a crap, mm. you know. So you, it's not convenient. 
So Jay Venue has a question. He wants to know why Xbox did not do a Halo arcade like House of the Dead with Plastic Gun. Would this make a good Kinect game? Uh, I mean, maybe it would have made a good Kinect game back during the 360 era, uh, but Kinect is dead. Uh, so there's no reason to make a Kinect game, especially one of Halo. Um, what do you, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like, it, yeah, I mean, if you think about that other Halo arcade game, it, Microsoft didn't make it. They gave the assets to this arcade game company and they made it. So, and there, there is rumors of a Halo VR game for Windows Mixed Reality, but now that Kudos Sonoda's team's been disbanded, it makes me wonder if this was just a whole big waste of time and maybe that's like those resources now are going to be put back on Xbox, uh, you know, making mainline Halo games instead of going for this pie-in-the-sky thing that just it's never going to catch on. I I just, I have no faith in VR whatsoever. I, I don't care how good the tech gets. People don't want to wear something on their face. Enough said. Um, OBJ, shout-out to OBJ, he wants to know, do you think... Do you think the next Gears of War game will be a, a real-time strategy game? If so, I will vomit. Um, I don't... I think Gears of War 5 will be a traditional Gears game uh, with, you know, a campaign, a multiplayer, and Horde. I think the spinoff... I don't see it... I don't know what people really consider... Like, is XCOM considered a real-time strategy game? Because when I think of real-time strategy, I think of stuff like StarCraft, uh, Warcraft, um, yeah, that, that's real-time strategy. So XCOM is real-time strategy, but just on a smaller... No, 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 no. X, XCOM is not real-time strategy. Real-time strategy means it plays out in real-time. You know, and XCOM is turn-based. So mm-hmm. a real-time strategy game would be like Halo Wars. Yeah, so if that, yeah, so I don't, I don't think the next year's war is a real-time strategy game. As for it being good, who knows? And if for even being real, who knows? We'll find out in uh, eight days, I guess. Um, let's see. Shane wants to know, PS4 Pro or PS5? Hold off at this point of purchase. I already have a base PS4. Ah, good question. I would, if you already have a base PS4, unless you, unless you can get a Pro for super cheap, I would just wait for the 5 uh, at that point. Mm. I mean, because... You're probably going to see two years left before five comes out anyways. So unless you're cool with spending, you know, well, I mean, I guess it depends on how much, I guess this really comes down to how much you can get a pro for. You could trade in your base PS4 and get a, you know, or your base PS4 and get a, and get the pro for cheap, then it might be worth it. Well, the question is, do you have a 4K TV? Because if you don't, then, then no. If you do, then I would maybe consider it depending on the price you can get it at. Uh, that, that's that's what I think. Uh, Multitude wants to know if uh, the ch- if the chance they will revive Phantom Dust as an exclusive for Xbox. Uh, no. Um, I don't know what Jez. What do you think, Jez? Phantom Dust getting revived? <sighs> I don't know. They probably looked at how well the reboot did as a free to play game, and uh, I can't imagine it did that well. So. I don't know, man. Or maybe they're handed off to a third-party dev or something like that. I don't know. I can't see. I can't see it coming back. I mean, it was sort of like a passion project more than anything at the time. I think. Yeah. Ryan Landis wants to know how much focus will be on added backwards compatibility titles at E3, and should Xbox keep PC time to a minimum? Um, they usually do, and 
all the heavy all the heavy hitters are there pretty much now. I think the only games that are left are games with complex licensing issues. Uh, you know, figuring out who owns the rights to what music and that sort of stuff, and and even things like sound effects. Uh, those are problems as well. Um, it comes down to that, I think. Uh, most of the heavy hitters are there. I don't. I can't see a huge amount of time dedicated to backwards compatibility, unless it's like the old school. Yeah, I mean, like they 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 dedicated some time originally to the announcement in 2015, and then they they brought it up again last year because they were reintroducing like the OG Xbox back and pat. But I just can't see them dedicating a segment to it, uh, considering every it's a known quantity at this point. So if they do talk about it, it's like outside the press conference and interviews and things like that, and. Maybe a video or something on Inside Xbox or something. I don't think, I don't think you know the. I don't think they'll they'll. Because what are what are they going to show? I mean, if, they've already talked about it in 2015 and last year. I, I can't imagine them also showing off new original Xbox titles. Um, it's just it'll be something that's like say for like after the show. Um, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, the Gruntmaster wants to know. Rand, do you think Microsoft won't let Halo and Gears end so the studios can make new games? Um, well, I think the the they won't let Halo and Gears end because it makes them too much money. I mean, Gears, they spent, I think it was half a billion dollars on getting in the IP, right, Jez? I have no idea. It was, it was a lot of money, and uh, they bought it because they want to be able to make Gears games for a long time. Uh, how they even changed the studio's name to the Coalition. Same thing with Halo. Halo is, uh, outside of Minecraft, uh, the biggest game that Microsoft Studios has. So I don't think they're ever going to – I don't think at any point are they going to end Halo. They might end Master Chief's story at some point. No. Which I don't know how the fan base will react to that, but I don't think – they come out ever one day and be like, "By the way, guys, this is the last Halo we're ever making. This is it. This is this is the end of the road." But I do think at some point they'll be like, "This is it for Master Chief." And maybe they maybe we already saw glimpses of that with Locke being in Halo Five. They probably were already thinking post Chief, but nobody gave a shit about Agent Locke because he was a boring character. So maybe they go back to the drawing board. I would just. I, I just want to see a different take on Halo, and I would love to see the Coalition do the different take on Halo. I still want my Halo game. I still want my Master Chief game. I still want my Halo multiplayer, but I also want to see uh, a Halo game in the Halo universe that is uh, different. That's not necessarily a first-person shooter. Um, I know people didn't really respond well to Halo Wars 2. Like, you didn't really like the industry on fire. It was just sort of like, eh. You know, most people just sort of ignored it and stuff like that. But I had a lot of fun playing Halo Wars 2, especially the um, the DLC mode they released, the uh, the uh, Terminus Firefly mode where you have to fight black back waves and waves of flood as you build up your base and stuff like that. Kind of like um, State of Decay and Frostpunk. I just like those kind of games. Right? <laughs> but um, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see these games branch out into the sort of genres and... Maybe even the mainline series branch out to other genres, like hybridize a bit, like with how Assassin's Creed found new, you know, they broke new ground, uh, you know, going deeper in on the RPG aspects, and uh, apparently Assassin's, the rumor 